Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Boochcast. I'm your host, Elvis Delinsky, and I'll be recapping AEW for the week. And of course, I'm joined by my lovely host, the fearless leader, the man who bears the name in our podcast, Mr. Vinny Bucci. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Booch is here for AEW and... I know the Boochcast fans are like, yay, and the AEW fans are like, boo, because you know, I'm going to have some shit to say like always, so uh, basically the wrestling fans are going to be understanding, the rest, the, the marks are going to be pissed off, but it's what I do, I'm sorry, I bring logic to things, so it's bound to happen, <laughs> so I know a lot of you guys are on the edge of your seat, Lord knows I am, so... But either way, Elvis, as always, talking wrestling with you is always a blast. I mean, it's it's what we do, right? I mean, you know, um, you know, we just shit excellence, you know, and I can't help but be amazed at my amazingness and everything we do here. So, I mean, yeah, I'm 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 super stoked. It's gonna be a good, fun little show. Um, I just can't believe that um, you're gonna sit there and already shit on the show before we get started. But hey, you know what though? That's what Vinny Bitchy does. You know, he's like, oh, here's an AEW show. Let's shit on it. So thank you, shitter. 
Well, it feels good because, you know, it's been a long time since I've got to shit on AEW. I mean, we, you know, it's been a while since AEW's been on the Boochcast. We talked earlier today and you shit on them. I, I was just saying, how you doing, Vinny? You're like, fuck you, AEW sucks. And I'm like, buddy, <laughs> dude, we just got on the phone. <laughs> Can we just at least get through the intros and say, how you doing, pal? Whatever. But I, no, Vinny Bucci has to do Vinny Bucci things. I hadn't taken my Tourette's medication yet. I, I apologize to that. There's no Tourette's medicine. There's no medicine to cure whatever disease you have right now, Vinny Bucci. I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, if there was a medicine, y'all would have found it, prescribed it to me a long time ago. Yeah, it's called heroin, man. I mean, it's still simple, <laughs> but you know, you're 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 above it, I guess. You know, you're just way no. too good for heroin. Oh no, I mean, I'm not sure how I'm not sure how heroin got, like lost its demeanor and its amazingness, but somehow through the lines, it's just got I a can, bad rep. I, I can answer that question. I can answer that question. Uh, I've always said, out of all the drugs in the world, heroin is the one I would never attempt. The rest, maybe, but uh, heroin would never be it, just for the simple fact that heroin involves needles, and I'm fucking scared of needles. So heroin and I are never going to mix. Yeah, you're just a pussy. I get it. I mean, I get it, though. I mean, like, some people yeah. are just okay with it. Some people part of drug culture. Some people could actually, you know, handle their drugs. You know, you know, you, you can't. And that's fine. You know, I mean, I've come to the realization that you just can't get there. And uh, maybe one day when I um, have you drink and smoke and pass out like Zachariah Scott, I'll shoot a needle in your arm. You wake up and you're like, uh-oh, I'm chasing that <laughs> dragon. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Well, I'm uh, let's, oh, I'm going to be chasing a dragon, all right. There's a certain dragon on this show that I got a bone to pick with, but that'll be later on Ooh, in the broadcast. Sounds for yes, I like it. He's, let's let's hear this dragon and see what's going on because I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well we're gonna get to, well. We're, I don't want to jump ahead. You know me. I like to do things chronologically, Zach. So we're gonna. Uh, yeah, if you listen to the NXT recap, you know why that's funny. I swear to God. Did you listen to it? Um, I did not. But here's the thing. I don't know why I even bring him on a show, man. Like, he was... I love you, Zach. I do. But when it comes to podcasting, that is not a thing you're really good at. Um, <laughs> he kept at jumping all. around all the other stuff. And I'm like, dude, straight line. Straight line. You got you to gotta yeah. recap everything. That's the purpose of a recap. Like, you know, we were, for example, I'll talk about this one thing. There's this faction in NXT called Diamond Mine. And we're one of the things they did was they introduced a female member to the faction. It had been mostly guys. They had a new girl, and the girl looks ripped. The girl looks badass. But and, she wasn't like wrestling. She wasn't wrestling much. She was just there. She was like, kind of like a Jade Cargill in a way, right? <laughs> well, well, that's her first time there, so we hadn't really seen her. Jade Cargill debuted and then just stands there. She was. This was her opening moment of being introduced. So time will tell if she's gonna wrestle or just be a mannequin. Uh, but either I mean, way, she, I mean, she had a squash match that wasn't like really emphasizing. It did nothing for both characters. So exactly. But so but and then all of a sudden Kushida comes out who I can't stand and he just and then that ends up goading. And then we finally find out we're going to see him versus Roger Strong for the Cruiserweight Championship. So we get to that segment. Zach completely skipped over the female debut and just goes straight into Kushida. It's like, yo, motherfucker, there's a debut you got to talk about here. You don't yeah. skip the line, bro. Totally ignored the girl, even though the manager put, you know, put, you know, Malcolm Bivens put her over tremendously. Zach just skipped over all that. I'm like, motherfucker, pay attention. Well, why did you Why did you let him lead? I mean, like you and I, when we do our podcast back and forth, there's a person that leads and a person that follows, and it's kind of like a, a, a given mix. And sometimes it's back and forth, you know, like. You have a person started off it and they go kind of go back and forth, but you, you should always take the lead. If it diverts a certain way, you got to be like, whoa, 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 whoa buddy. 
you know, hey, I know you're soulless, I know you're broke, but you need to chill the fuck out and yeah. you know, take a step back and you know, smell the roses, bro. You know, we gotta take a step back. There's a oh, yeah. there's a chronological order when it comes to these um spoilers, when it comes to the results and yeah, you know, you just can't teach you can't teach a new uh, an old ginger new tricks, man. You know, you really can't. You really can't. Uh, apparently, you gotta have apparently you gotta have a soul to learn tricks. Who knew? Uh, but anyway, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? But anyway, enough about all that, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as we know, we're gonna get into AW Dynamite. But actually, I just realized I'm jumping a gun. Elvis, this is your show, so uh, you you take us in. I'm sorry. That's right, motherfucker. Calm down, Zach. You piece of shit. Um, oh, all, bite my Irish ass. Um, look at my Irish ass. Um, I gotta apologize. I was kind of harsh on Zach the other podcast. So oh God. You're listening. I'm sorry. Um, you said some things that triggered me. I listened to the podcast again. I'm like, oh my god, I just really laid into him, and he just—I mean—he sat there and took it. Which, thank you. Um, I mean, again, I shouldn't get that fucking emotional and triggered, whatever. And um, I was drinking a bit there today. I'm drinking again tonight for this podcast. Um, and uh, I just got to say, man, I, I really laid into him. I was like, oh my god, he just sat there and digested everything I just put put on there because he said something that was open ended, like you know. You know, we make fun of Zach all the time because he always leaves himself open to get ridiculed or yes. make fun of all the time. And he does. I feel bad for him because, like, I don't want to pick on him, but when he says something so moronic, I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump on this. And I did. And then I just wouldn't let it go. I was, like, beating a dead horse. And he was already he was already dead. I mean, he's already dead. He's soulless. Um, but nonetheless, I kept beating that horse. So, Zach, if you're listening, because I know you're one of our 12 listeners who listens to us, um, sorry, pal, for uh, putting in your place. Um, it wasn't my intention to come down at you like that. Um, I called you a stupid idiot or whatever. Regardless, I should not have said that stuff. So I apologize to Mr. Zachariah Scott for, um, you know, uh, you said what was on your mind, and I just uh, pretty much estimated you for no reason. So I apologize. Uh, it's all good, man. We we all make mistakes, and it was definitely uh, it was in a, it was a passionate topic that that tends to happen sometimes on the show. Well, I mean, like you know, next time I see him, I'm gonna give him like 24 packs of ramen noodles just to make it up. Okay. Absolutely, we got to do that. I'm, I'm gonna save her flavors. I'm gonna give him the beef and the shrimp one too. You know, hopefully, I can find some kind of combination, or you can just do what he does all the time and just pre- sprinkle them all together. So yeah, and we promise he won't burn them this time. I don't know how you do that, but somehow he managed to do it though. So that's a new Guinness World Book of World Records. So. He burned the reason I burned the ramen noodles. I'm like, dude, that's mean. These people are donating their hard-earned money to make sure you're fed. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure how this new one we're we're coming up with right now is trying to get Zachariah Scott laid. I'm not sure how it's going to take up, but, um, you know, hopefully it does. You know, maybe some girl who's been in a pandemic and maybe she's not feeling so valuable in the marketplace or in the the meat market. Let's just call it that. And, you know, Zachariah Scott, you could sit there and bend him to your own very well. So, women, if you're manipulative and you like to take over on relationships and... You know, see how far your intuition and your will goes. You can push this boy anywhere you want, and it'll oh, yeah. get there. Yes, if you'd like a moment that's magically delicious. Don't there you go. Catch your lucky leprechaun. There he goes. Yes. Well, anyways, let's step away from this real quick, and let's get to the show at hand. We do have AEW Dynamite, and boys and boys and boys and girls. We've had ourselves a banger tonight, though. First CM Punk, obviously, of course, he comes out in the beginning because he was going to be on commentary tonight. Come, you know, he comes out to the crowd, he ju- he does a little stage dive, you know, and he jumps up to the side and jumps into the crowd, Says, uh, gives a whole bunch of high fives, and it gets announced at the table. So you do have Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and CM Punk on commentary. Um, and it starts off with, because it's all about the boom, 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 Adam Cole, baby, starts off this beautiful dynamite. And he goes against the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian. And 
I gotta tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. Frankie Kazarian is fucking awesome. And I've been telling you for weeks, every time AEW starts a show, it always starts off with a fucking banger. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? This was no different. Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian. And goddamn, and I didn't see so many close calls, so many reversals. These two are veterans. I'm saying, like, these guys have been in the ring for a long motherfucking time. And these guys brought the goods to start off WWE. I mean, wow, WWE. AEW's fucking dynamite. Um, Wow, I was surely shocked. Because, like, I always knew um, Frank Kazarian was good. But then him going against Adam Cole... It was a thing to fucking marvel. I think this match was fantastic. And I know sometimes in my podcast say, go back on YouTube. If you're to watch one thing on wrestling this week, fucking match. It was fucking great. I loved it. Well, I got to say this. As much as I hate Adam Cole in the elite, there is no denying his in-ring skills are a fucking work of art. It is. I loved this match. No, it was great. Very I much mean, so. like, you know, uh, Kazarian and Adam, the way they work together, I mean, like, obviously they worked together in the past, the Ring of Honor, you know, um, during our heyday, uh, during the heyday, they used, to go, they used to go to New Japan together all the time, and, you know, they're all, you know, buddy buddies, even, like, you know, Kazarian and um, Daniels, you know, they're all still good friends with the EVPs, they're just not EVPs, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, the chemistry they, these guys had. So, if you didn't know that they were friends back in the day and used to rest, wrestle each other on a constant basis, this is a true treat to people who's never seen that. And the people who've seen the previous matches from back in the past, definitely a, a worth watch. But this show, again, to start off with Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian, it was beautiful, man. I mean, obviously, you know, Adam Cole won with the uh, Panama Sunrise. But here's the thing. They tried doing the Panama Sunrise, like, two times. didn't work. I mean, they got into a whole bunch of different things. So many reversals. I loved it. It was a pure, like, this is something Cornette would be like, okay, I like this shit. Like, he'd be like, God damn, that Adam Cole ain't that, ain't that shit. He goes like, I was looking for that flippy dippy bullshit, and Adam Cole comes out there, he's like, I ain't having none of that stuff. And Frank Kazarian, Kazarian's been a wrestler for a long time, and he knows how to wrestle. Those motherfuckers in the back would just listen to this motherfucker and watch these two people wrestle each other for the rest of the card. AEW might be onto something. But because Adam Cole and Frank Kazarian, this is the only wrestling match we're going to have for the rest of the night. My name is Jim Cornette. Follow me on YouTube. I don't know if you listened to the podcast beforehand, but if I, I'm, I'm going to listen to his thoughts on this match just to hear how accurate everything you just said was, to see if it was that accurate. I definitely I want listen, to. I didn't listen to a show, but I mean, like... You know enough I, about I, him I to know I, that's probably what he would say. I've listened to Cornette, like... I mean, I listen to the guy religiously. Me too. I, I, I said, I, I've been recorded saying that... He's a brilliant man when it comes to a lot of different things. And he's right about a lot of things, and he's wrong about a lot of different things. But, goddamn, if I don't have his shit down, whatever. He's like, yeah. well, this shit went down the way it's supposed to. I mean, he tried to do that. Panama Sunrise is only a flippy deep bullshit, but it's his finisher, so he's got to hit it. And then he got fucking Frank Kazarian. Every time he tried to do some kind of flippy deep doodah shit, whatever, he sits there and just reverses it and says, no, nah, we're having a wrestling match. We're going to sit there and do all your flippy dippy shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's, that's him. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, him, but, but I mean, the Panama Sunrise, he doesn't really hate that too much, but I, no, he does not. but I loved it. I loved, I loved the, the counter to that with the Alabama slam and the springboard guillotine leg drop I thought was brilliant. Like, no, they, it was so well executed too. I mean, and, like, you know, especially with the Alabama slam with the springboard leg drop. I mean, I, I thought he was going to do a body press. Every time I see someone do a springboard, I never think leg drop. The fact that he brought a leg drop out, I was like, wow, that's kind of different because yeah. you don't really see that. I mean, how many people you see doing springboard leg drops? I mean, Jericho's got the flip. Some people got the uh, springboard stunner. Yes. Um, springboard cross body, but not really like the um, 
the leg drop. So I was like, that's that's pretty innovative. I like I like Kaz, man. He's always yeah. been good. Kazarian's always been amazing. And yeah. being the elite hunter makes it even better. And I, I love I love that gimmick. I love that gimmick. He's I got feel although it's, I, I it's like the working. gimmick, but I have one problem with it. He's supposed to be the elite hunter, yet he's jobbing too much to the elite. I need to see well, more the- wins. He needs to start getting wins, even if it's against Brandon Cutler or Michael. Knock it the fuck off and get off the television. Whichever one he faces, let him get a well, victory I mean, like, one of those two. I do agree with you when it comes to that, though. I do agree to that. But here's the thing: he he's kind of flying solo now. It did his shtick did work when he first um, started the whole uh, elite killer thing, whatever or the elite hunter um, gimmick. He was getting involved with the Luchasaurus thing, whatever. He's getting involved with the um, Jurassic Express, and you know, being a thorn in the side of the elite. It's like almost every week you always forget about him because every time the elite did something mischievous, he was always there to kind of sit there trying to even it out. The only disadvantage that Frankie Kazarian is, is I'm going to say it like fucking like the announcer WWE. It's that damn numbers game, son. <laughs> I mean, Frankie Kazarian needs more friends. He needs more people. I mean, don't get me wrong. He wanted to be a lone wolf, but you can't be a lone wolf in AEW for too long. I mean, he's got to figure that shit out and, you know, try to get himself a stable or get inside of a stable. doesn't matter if they have to be like full-time friends, but at least get a couple people to back him up when he actually goes and attack him. But... I mean, there's a lot of people who's been smitten by the elite, so I don't think there's I don't think there's that many people that wouldn't be lining up with Frank Kazarian had he actually stepped up and spoke to people and say, "Hey, listen, the elite's been a piece of like they've been ruining our fucking lives. Let's give them a little back of fucking payback." I mean, I'm pretty sure they, they could go down the list and say who like John Moxley. He got fucked over by Kenny Omega with the World Championship. You could grab him, Eddie Kingston. Um, they could do the same thing with Christian Jurassic Express. Um, FT, I mean, there's a whole, there's like a, a group of people. So Kazarian needs to wisen up and get a crew together because the reason why the elites are so strong, because they're always together. You rarely see them by themselves. Adam Cole was by himself tonight, but I mean, given if anybody had jumped in, it would have been a whole different story, but Kazarian needs to grab a faction or jump into a faction or make some kind of a part-time, um, you know, partnership with a different team to at least have some numbers on his side because right now he's doing by himself. He's trying, but it's all fall, it's all falling by the wayside because every time he tries, he just keeps falling, he keeps falling. So, um, I agree with you of that. But um, you know, after the match, you know, obviously we got Adam Cole gets on a microphone and he he says the traditional thing: "Who wants to hear a story? Who wants to hear a story time with Adam Cole, baby?" And of course, the crowd goes crazy. And you know, you're gonna cheer the man regardless. And uh, he just says, like, the elite's the most dangerous group out there um, in all professional wrestling. Um, people think they can sit there and take these people out, but it ain't just going to fucking happen. But ever since he's gotten back, he's got three people who's got under his skin. Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. He's like, y'all think you're so tough? How about next week on Rampage, we do a trios match? Jungle, um, Ju- um, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage minus uh, Marco Stunt versus the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, baby. Just because. So next yeah. week we have on Rampage on Friday night we have Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. Yeah, I'd like to say I'm excited for that match, but I'm not. <laughs> I kind of am. I, you're, I am. you're excited for it because you like the Super Click. I I don't. Uh, I love I'm the gone Super on click. record and saying Friday, that. Remember that. Remember that shirt I had? I, I I've always wore to your house. Or yes, I, yes. Like Adam Cole. You, you, Yes, it has Adam Cole, the Bucks, and one other guy. Um, Kenny, Kenny Omega, say his name. Oh right, oh, oh right, all oh, right. Yeah, yeah, the teenage dirtbag. 
That's right. Um, but anyway, um, what? That's a weirdest reference. Oh my! Look at Vinny. Yeah, Vinny, Vinny reaching back into his um, dirty bag of tricks over there. I love oh it. yeah. I mean, I'd rather listen to Iron Maiden than his promos. I know that much. But my point is, um, I like. I like. Um, I will say that I noticed something when um, Adam Cole was cutting that promo. Christian Cage, the crowd kind of booed. Luchasaurus, crowd kind of booed. They popped for Jungle Boy when he said Jungle Boy's name. Yeah, everybody. I, I noticed Boy, that. Man. I noticed that Christian's. I know, and it's like I was saying before. Christian Cage, he's starting to lose some of that. Now that we're seeing all these other guys coming in, Christian don't seem all that important no more. You're noticing Christian's value is kind of going down with all these other guys coming in. So Christian's no longer exciting anymore. Thus, why I thought he was a bad idea for the main event. But that's coming gone. Um, Luchasaurus. He's kind of in the middle, I've noticed with everybody. There are fans who like him. There are fans who don't. I don't really have an issue with Luchasaurus. Uh, do I think his character is goofy? Yes, but he's made it. It's a goofiness that works. That's why I'm okay I with it. I completely agree. He makes I it work. Agree. I, I love I love Luchasaurus. I think the IWC loves him as well, too. They do, because um, here's why it works. Here's why it works. He commits. He is so committed to making people believe he is a fucking dinosaur with a goddamn master's degree or PhD or whatever the fuck it is. Um, he is so committed to that, you have no choice but to believe it. You you don't have a choice because he's so committed. And Jungle Boy, fuck, he's over. And I've never had an issue with Jungle Boy. Or, maybe, or if I did, it was in the beginning. Because I kind of like, I've seen the boy and his dinosaur. I'm like, get the fuck. But he's been improving himself improving himself and proving himself at the same time. So mm-hmm. Jungle Boy deserves all the praise that he gets. But I just happened to notice that. Jungle Boy got a louder pop than Christian. I noticed that. And that yeah, that's kind of got mean, my attention talked, there. I think, t- I think we touched on it before, too. Like, Luchasaurus needs to break away, become a heel for a bit. Yes. Which will give more sympathy for Jungle Boy. I mean, he's over already, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, you, you want to sit there and... You know, to the fucking moon, that shit, you know? Exactly. You, we got to do that. You, they got to do that. But then, of course, like, so the three of them, then, of course, Adam Cole. I can watch Adam Cole wrestle all day. The Young Bucks, I can do without. But that's just me. That's you. But um, anyway, so uh, the next match we have, uh, we had, actually, it was a segment backstage. Sammy Guevara and Floyd Adelso. Now, obviously, I mean, if you're watching Sammy Vlogs, um, Sammy, uh, Sammy G's Vlogs, whatever, they're best friends on there. Um, you'd probably hate it because as Marco's stunning there all the time. Um <sighs> They do have uh, who is it, QT Marshall on there quite a bit, which I, I've taken a great like great um, fawning to because he's um, in my eyes, and it's just me, me personally, um, seeing him on uh, Sammy's blogs, or whatever, it really fucking works. I'm not sure how or why, but sure enough, it fucking does, man. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Um, what else? Uh, so they're in the back. And Fuego says, uh, you know, he got a contract with AEW. His life is completely transformed. Um, he's completely happy being where he's at, though. But one thing he just can't get past is that match he had against uh, Miro. And uh, what he wants to do is, uh, he, and obviously they're both sitting on a Kia Sorento or a Kia Wills. It's it's a vehicle. It's a Kia something. Yeah. Hyundai Al- no, sorry, take it back. It's a Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> so they're sitting on a black Hyundai Elantra, sitting on a hood on, on it, whatever. He's like, you know what, though? I still haven't lost. I haven't got past the part because I just bought this brand new shiny car, and it's an older car. But he's like, I just bought this new car, and I'm willing to trade in my car for a TNT championship. And Sam is like, dude, do you really want to challenge him on? Fr-? He's like, do you really want to challenge him? He's like, yeah, I'm not, not going to challenge him. I want to challenge him for this Friday on Rampage. Um, 
So we have some bets placing down, and we have Fuego del Sol versus Miro. So I'm just going to say this ahead of time. Looks like Miro's going to have a brand new, uh... <laughs> Miro's going to have a brand new fucking Hundi Alondra to fuck Lana in, I guess, that later on at night. Yeah, that's assuming that they, um, want, they, you know, they, they need to spice things up a little bit. But, um, I, I'm going to say two things. One, I noticed you skipped something. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but two, while we're on the subject of this, um... This annoyed me. I'm going to tell you why it annoyed me. Um, Fuego Del Sol is basically saying, I would trade everything to be TNT champion. First of all, way to aim for the middle, dumbass. I've never seen anybody like, I will trade my life for mediocrity. Thank you. Glad to see you would do that. The TNT championships ain't mediocrity, man. What are you talking about? Here's the thing. With all due respect to the TNT title and the people who've held it, and especially the guy currently holding it, Regardless of whatever a of whatever stuff AEW wants to throw at people, the TNT title is a mid card title. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, but that's his heavyweight championship. I mean, the, look the, at the, the, guy. the I mean, heavyweight championship fuck. is the title is the main title. He's never. You should want to trade everything that. for that. And okay, wait, at least Elvis. No, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. Go ahead. Sorry. I agree. He's never going to see that title. We know that. But in the kayfabe world of wrestling. Well, you're supposed to make me believe in what I see. There's going to be more of that. I'm going to have more to say about that later when I address the dragon in the room. Um, but I, you're supposed to make me believe in what I'm seeing. And you should want to trade everything to be the best. And the world title is where you should shoot for. If you don't have aspirations about being the world champion, even if you never get there, if your mindset is, I don't want to be the world champion, you have no business being in the business. You're in the wrong profession if that's not what you're shooting for and that's not what you're aimed for. That's what you should trade everything for. Not to be the TNT champion. That's a mid-card title. You want he's to trade everything to get key, to the top. He's, he's trading in a fucking Kia, I mean, a Hyundai uh, Elantra, man. So, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I see where you're coming from, and that might be true in any organization. You're right about that. But here's the thing. At least he's realistic. He's going to sit there and, you know, try to get a match between Kenny Omega. Because Fuego Del Sol, he's not going to sit there and do any dance on Kenny Omega. He can try it, but, like, it's he lost the car for no reason. I mean, obviously, the match is still going to take place tomorrow night, you know, on uh, TNT at Rampage right after SmackDown at 10 o'clock. I mean, but... But the thing is, like, it's realistic. It's not like a, a conceited dream. It's not like Doink the Clown asking for a world championship from Hulk Hogan. It's not going to happen. He want, Kenny wants to put the title on the line against Orange Cassidy. The bar's been set pretty low. No, it's not, though, because it's not like, you know, the Undertaker's going to sit there and fight Duke the Dumpster Drossy. That's pretty you know, much the, the equivalent. But the thing is, like, you can't... No, it's not. You can't get behind um, Orange Cassidy. That's fine. That's your own thing, whatever. But the thing is... He had a chance because he was over, and they gave him the championship based on that recognition from the from the fans, from the audience, from the merch sales. People wanted to see it, and it became a reality. So, I mean, you gotta give you gotta give some shine to the people who you know. I'm sorry, but if your stick is over and you're selling merchandise, and people pop for you every time you come out, though, guess what? You get a title match, buddy. If you're over, you're fucking over. I if still don't see the numbers for that merch. I well, here's, well, that. here's here's the fucking thing. When was the last time you saw Joey Janelle on fucking TV? How much merch is he moving out? When was the last time we saw his partner, um, J uh, uh, his fucking partner from before, um, uh, oh god, I can't think of his her name, whatever. Um, Sunny Kiss. Sunny Kissed. Sunny Kiss has been on TV a long time. I know. So I, I know it's a beautiful thing. 
but here's the thing though but this is the thing though i told you a long time ago the cream is going to rise to the top it's a macho man saying right but it's it couldn't be ever more true the cream is going to rise to the top and everybody has to step up and right now you have all these big names coming in, so you better step the fuck up jungle boy made it orange cassidy made it cowboy made it all these people are trying to make it and fuego though so he's not over he just barely got a job but even with him having a job he's kind of like the the the, the heat slater of AEW. i got kids i gotta pay for stuff i just made it he's betting and everything on a tnt championship because those are realistic goals he wanted that championship he failed to make it in he feels like his life is in control and with that newfound confidence he wants to go over uh, go over a championship because he felt like he had him and if you watch the match the beginning part of the match it kind of looked like he was going his way but then he lost so he's like you know what though you guys gave me the confidence you guys gave me the job i'm over here i'm gonna try it again but this yeah. time i know we'll get fired afterwards well that's the thing he 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 had a match where if he won he got a contract he lost and got a contract anyway mm-hmm it's a draw emotion. what kind of participation trophy called, bullshit was that it's called you know having emotion and making a crowd get behind you like drake maverick he was fired and then he had a job all of a sudden that's crazy happened in nxt he was fired he cried okay. on twitter okay that's a completely different story no it's not yes it is he got yes fired, it is and he was still employed motherfucker he was still employed the whole time it was a fucking no it's the same exact fucking thing. They draw emotions to make you feel for this guy. When he lost, Tony Khan came out and said, you know what, though? Here you go, buddy. No, that's he not what, ha- but that's not what happened with Drake Maverick. What happened was he got released during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. He was then in a tournament. But at the time, he was in a tournament for the Cruiserweight title. So he had to mm-hmm. win the tournament to basically keep his job. Because if he has a title, yeah, and- they can't get rid of him. But because he, but because he lost the match, he wasn't getting the title. So they decided to sign him back. He wasn't fighting for his contract. He was fighting for a title. There's a big difference. Big fucking so, difference. I think, you're just, I, think, I think you're just making things up as you go. I think I'm stating facts, but whatever. Anyway, I want to talk about the... Let's talk about the moment you skipped, the Lucha Brothers. Uh, you kind of skipped over okay. the tag team champions here. I'm, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Vinny. I'm sorry. Take it over. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, basically, they cut a promo on Butcher and the Blade. Phoenix says they used to be brothers, but now they are enemies. Penta says if they want to take their titles, they will have to sweat, cry, and bleed. The titles from them at Rampage. I want to see that shit. That's how it happens, obviously. But I like that. Like they used to be friends, but now they're enemies. Like when did that happen? Did did they have some kind of fight? I don't know about. Who? The Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. They were kind of together, I guess, for a bit. I mean, like, I mean, it just revamps the Butcher and the Blade to get on there. You got to sit there and sort some kind of storyline, and you'll see a lot of that stuff tonight, though. Like where partnerships or losses and wins and losses from the past kind of come to a head, or whatever. So. You know they were kind of together for a bit when it first started off but that's when like that triangle or just the lucha brothers had no really any real direction when it came to it so they kind of sided in the same place so um but no man it's i mean it's it's pretty good i, I think the butcher of blade i think um the blade has been holding his own which maybe put a whole new aspect on the blade because the butcher is always the big guy right he's the better of the two but seeing the blade go you know one-on-one and all these cool matches um, I don't know. I, it, it put out on your emphasis, so it just shows them both as a credible threat and shows the history between the two teams. Hmm. I de- I, de- I will say this though: it's definitely going to be a great tag team match because both those teams are phenomenal. When they oh, work, absolutely. They work well together, so it's going to be it's going to be a, this is a tag team title match I can be proud of, and I haven't said that for months or it feels like a year. From AEW standpoint, or... yeah, I said from AEW standpoint, okay. it's a tag team title match I can be proud of. 
And I haven't said that for well, a long yeah, time. Yeah, because we finally have a new tag teams with whole new shiny, a new opponents, new storylines, new things drawn out. So credible champions now. So we're good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this, this is the feather in the cap for you. Yes, this is. A, I'm saying, there's a match for the AEW tag team titles, and I actually want to see it for once. Well, then after that, we had uh, MJF, one of my favorite wrestlers, coming out to the ring with uh, Wardlow. <laughs> they make their entrance. And uh, Freeman goes out on the mic and complains about being in the armpit of America, which is Jersey. Um, he asks what Bruce Springsteen, Taylor Ham, and the New York hockey teams have in common, that they all suck as hard as the New Jersey skanks. Whew! Big bomb. He refuses to apologize to the fans um, at home for last week as he had a conversation with the ghost of Brian Pillman. So, I'm not sure if you watched last week, but he sat there and was making fun of Brian Pillman's... Uh, wife or something call he called her methany which is fucking horrible because we saw the documentary and we know that you know the wife of uh brian pillman was on meth so they call her methany yeah so when he was having a conversation with the ghost of brian pillman he wasn't looking up into the heavens he was looking down into hell talking to brian pillman i'm not sure why this whole thing started with brian pillman jr but it's happening um but then obviously here's the thing that pissed me off about this whole thing pillman gets in the ring snuck by because he went through the back of the ring Snuck up on MJF, but did not hit him in a chair. He slapped the bottom of the ring first and waited for Warlow to come here and take the, you know, the chair out of his hand. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck happened? I don't know. I, I, I don't see why MJF and Pillman Jr. would be into a, a feud together. This makes no sense, except for MJF being an asshole, but it didn't make any sense to me on this one. I just find it weird that Brian, that Brian Pillman Jr. comes in with a chair... And a chair gets ripped out of his hand. Pillman just slaps the guy with the chair. What? That was that. That's a that was a stupid thing to do, and not believable. Yeah, at all. It, it just didn't make any sense. It did I was like, okay, this, it didn't. And it didn't fit. And, and like this feud doesn't fit either. Like, so MJF just got in a great. I think what was a good match between him and Chris Jericho, and then he gets into here to this one because here just because of a hometown hero like Moxley. And Brian Pillman Jr. So from the two, he chose to fuck with Pillman Jr. I don't know. This is like, this is not a great. This is not a organic at all. Well, they're doing so, with like, Brian Pillman MJF... Jr. Sorry, they're doing with Brian Pillman Jr. What they should have been doing months ago. Like the second that those Brian Pillman episodes air, which by the way, uh, we will be doing an episode of Boochcast Reviews: Dark Side of the Ring. We will be covering the Brian Pillman story we'll be doing a part one and two of those videos uh myself the two of us and desmond but they the second those videos came out brian pillman jr should have got a rocket strapped to his back because you had perfect exposure perfect opportunity brian pillman was over because they heard his story about how he was abused and everything else and everything he went through the reconciling with his mom and all the stuff in between and again when we tell this story when we talk about this story on the on the YouTube channel, it's going to be great. They should have did this months ago, but they rested on it. They slept on they it. Waited, but they slept I on a lot of things waited, back then. I think they waited for, like, you know, uh, the fans to get back in and for them to get to Cincinnati to get that hometown feel, I guess, bullshit. Yeah, they, but they're, they're just now trying to get this going, and I think it's going to be great the way it's being presented, you know? And I, that's what I honestly think. I think it's going to really pick up and get where it left off. We're getting Brian Pillman Jr. to a level where he deserves to be because the guy is great. 
I mean, I love the fact he's doing the Varsity Blondes thing with Jungle Man Griff Garrison. I think that's a, a great segment for him. It's a great spot. Uh, but I think this ride with MJF can go places. And part of the reason that I think MJF is really going for the throat on this is because he's trying to recover from what went down with Chris Jericho at All Out, which I didn't really get a chance to talk about. And I'll take a moment to talk about that here. Um, as much as I enjoyed the match itself... I don't think Jericho deserved the win. And I'm going to tell you why. Other than a few classic bouts with a few people, what else does Chris Jericho have left to do in all elite wrestling? He's already been the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Unless he wants to go for the TNT title, unless he wants to be a tag team champion, there's really nowhere else for Jericho to go in AEW. What I would have liked to have seen is MJF get the win, and then you use Jericho and send him to Impact. You send him to Japan, because he, he still does Japan. Jericho can go through the forbidden door, or doors, as they're calling it, to hit all these other spots, and he can be a world champion there, and get over over here, and bring ratings over here. There's really not a lot left for him to do in AEW. He's he's done it all. There's he's once you've hit the world title, there's not a whole lot of other places to go except okay, maybe him and CM Punk could reignite something. He could have a match with Daniel Bryan. I don't think he's ever fought Daniel Bryan to my knowledge. So that could be a, a moment. Other than that, who else really? There's nothing else left. So I feel like MJF's trying to recover from the loss of that match. And he needs to do it by reminding people I'm MJF and getting back to what made him MJF, which was the fact that he did not give a single fuck if he hurt somebody's feelings and he goes for the throat and he is a genuine fucking asshole, like to his heart and core. If there is goodness in him, he hides it very well. And I think that's what makes MJF a, bo a great heel at the same time though, because there are a lot of marks in the audience because that, that, that is the key demo. I'm sorry to be a dick, but that's the truth. Because of that, MJF has to take it to levels that go beyond just kayfabe heat. He has to get... He's one of those guys that's so good at being a heel, he has to get fuck you heat to do his job. He has to take it to that level. He has to cross those lines. And those people go, why do they got to be so controversial? Why do they got to cross all these lines? Because the only way for them to get their heat... Because you won't give them their heat. Because you're too busy loving them as heels that you're not giving them the booze that they need to do their job right. So because they can't piss you off kayfabe style like they can the casual fans, they have to piss you off for real. And MJF is so gifted that he's capable of that. And that's why this is going to work. This is the best thing that's going to happen to Brian Pillman Jr. The only catch is when this rivalry is over, Pillman Jr. has to come out on top. Otherwise, it was all cheap heat. Wow. Well, I mean, I think Jericho has a lot of upside. I mean, he's got like a tag team championship and a TNT championship and become a Grand Slam and then retire, but uh, that's a lot of deep futures, so we'll figure that out eventually. All right. So, what's next? Well, it's funny because we had an attack from um, Brian Pillman Jr., and then he had a sit-down with Brian Pillman Jr. with Jim Ross. How about that? <laughs> It's like, okay, the timing on this show is a little off. Like, I'm going to go out there and whoop his ass, come out with their chair, not do shit. I'm going to make MJF get out of the ring with his buddy Warlow and 
after that, I'm gonna have a little sit down with Jr. and talk about some barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened. Um, that was good. It was good. It was a good interview, man. It, 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 we're seeing a whole different side of uh, Pillman Jr., which he hasn't had air time to talk or to do stuff on, you know, on the show, whatever. So at least they're giving him a main spot on Dynamite. So I'm fine with it. Um, you know, talked about like his family and everything else, his father, his mother, and. He wants to fight for the honor of his mother because he kept calling methane. Everybody knows about the stuff that's going on, but he says he will massacre MJF at the next time they fight. So, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Obviously, Pelman brings up the fact that MJF was like, you know, raised having a silver spoon in his mouth while he had to sit there and fight for everything in his life. So it's like the comparisons of like the richer person and the poorer person or whatever. But um, it's one of those things. I mean, let's see how it takes off. Right now, it's new. Um... I'm not feeling the way it came on, really, but at the same time, maybe it'll turn into something better. Hopefully, I don't know. We'll see. Um, next, we have a commercial. Back from commercial, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage are being interviewed. Um, this was a pretty cool segment, man. So, um, Christian Cage goes out there and he goes like, yeah, um, Joe Boy says he has better friends and M. Cole has hair, which is pretty cool. But here's the thing. Christian Cage cut the best fucking promo. <laughs> Let me try to see if I can read it verbatim. Christian cuts him off and says, Adam does have pretty good friends. Friends who throw him in a who throw him a lifeline and drag the sorry ass out of development. Since he's already already used to losing Wednesday night wars, he might as well throw Fridays in there too. <laughs> boom. Did I say that again. You know it's all about the boom. Because you know it's all about the boom. That you hear that line that Christian Cage. As big of an NXT fan as I am, that was a great dig. That was a great fucking thing. Since you're already used to losing Wednesday Night Wars, you might as well throw Fridays in there too. Holy shit. Of course, they agreed to challenge them on Rampage, but holy shit, that was awesome. That was well done by Christian. I will give him the credit for that. That was like, very oh well God. done. It was perfect, you know, because they had, they were, and it, because it does put Adam Cole down here. Christian's like, yeah, you were. Yeah, Adam Cole was in WWE, but he was a star in the developmental system. Like, that's, and I love that. That's a great dig to go with, and I thought it was very well done on uh, Christian's part. You know, AEW beat Monday Night Raw, right? Again? Two, two weeks in a row? I think, yeah, I know. We, we talked about that before. You mentioned it was the, the blah, blah, blah. It's the second demo. week in a row. Second week in a row. How do we beat him, Vinny? Tell me. I don't know, blah, 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 key demo, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I love it, Vinny, I love it. Go on, you know, go on. You know, you know, blah, blah, July blah, 14th. blah, hot shotting. Since July 14th, we've had over a million views each fucking week, except for two weeks, and they were short by like 10,000. So over a million views, that we're winning the key demo, we beat Raw, bring on SmackDown, it's happening. Sorry, had to do it. <laughs> Had to fucking do it though. So let's let's go back to another one. Cause again, my show, my little t-shirt company, my that little company that could is firing on all cylinders. And this match next was fucking awesome. Dante Martin and Matt Seidel, unlikely duo. Not really, they're both flippy dippy assholes. Yeah. Versus FTR. And boy oh boy, was I happy to see um fucking Cash Wheeler back, man. You know, I haven't seen him on TV for a while since he got his arm ripped and like fucking nerves got hurt, or whatever. And dude, like, I mean, if you saw a couple weeks ago when he was fighting in a match, he went over a turnbuckle and scraped the fuck out of his fucking forearm, man. I mean, people thought he was gonna come back. He's been out for a good four to six weeks, easy. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Like on Twitter, and then on Twitter, I mean, for the longest time, they're talking about like they might have one last run, and they're fucking done. 
I surely don't hope so. I surely don't fucking hope so because in this match, holy fucking shit. First of all, Dante Martin, that dude is amazing. He is a star in the making. He truly is. Dante Martin, as small as he is, as athletic as he is, he does not miss a beat. Now, FTR doesn't fall for some flippy-dippy bullshit. No, they don't. They don't. They got some. They got some. They got some stuff over on FTR for a bit because they are kind of quick and agile, whatever. But for the most part, they were shutting that shit down. It's like you want to go high flying, boom, right to the ground. You're going flying, boom, to the ground. They got some couple moves in. Dante Martin, Matt Sydal. I never thought they'd be a good tag team. I mean, given if I was to choose high flyers to be in a ring, they would definitely be part of it. I never imagined those two together because Matt's usually with his brother. Um, but seeing Dante and Matt together, it was a really substantial. They worked so well together. But they did have to do that, uh, what do they call it again? The lung lung buster or the lung breaker or whatever they call it. They're, they're uh, finished. They call it the big rig. The big well, rig, they call yeah. It the big rig, but it's like, uh, what, what's it called again? In NXT, it was called the shatter machine. The shatter machine. But it's a lung buster, right? Is that what's technically what it's called? A lung uh, buster? I believe so, yeah. So it's the Shatter Machine. It's the big rig, obviously, because of fucking um, Brody Lee. Um, but it's the Lung Buster, man. And they, they fucking hit that shit fucking hard on Dante Martin. One, two, three. It's fucking done. FTR are your fucking winners. And I can tell you this. Everybody's loving Dante Martin. His stock is rising up. Matt Seidel, week after week, he impresses. But at the same time, his stock always stays the same. And I feel bad for the kid. Um, there's nothing. He can work as hard as he wants. He's never going to live down that thing that happened when he first debuted. And for some reason, me being the IWC, people would have, don't be wrong, he's a good wrestler, but I could never live that down. And he can hit every springboard. He can hit every fucking dive. He can do whatever fucking move he wants to from now here and forever. But to me, his stock is never going to rise up ever again, and it sucks. He's a great fucking wrestler. That's because you've seen one Matt Seidel match. You've seen them all. That's why. I hate, to say, I hate to say I hate to say it though, but you're right. I mean, like it sucks. It I mean, I wish. I mean, like, and he does bring out different stuff, different elements, but it's not too far off. So I, I do, I do agree with you on that one. Yeah. So his stock never really changes. So. It doesn't. Um, um, FTR words cannot describe how happy I am to see them on TV. Absolutely. I'm, I'm waiting for the moment when they start blowing through all the pretenders to their throne. And get back the AEW World Tag Team Titles. I've, I've, I, these are guys. When they call themselves top guys, they ain't lying. And oh, sure. I believe they have deserved much better treatment than what they've been getting. And I feel like I'm really hoping that now that I'm starting to see changes in AEW, and I am going to give the benefit of the doubt and say I think Tony Khan is learning from all the mistakes he's made. And I think he's going to learn and evolve and improve. And he's starting to realize how the business works. Because Lord knows the EVPs ain't teaching him nothing. And I'm hoping he gets FTR back on track. At some point, they need to face the Lucha Brothers. And they need those tag team titles back. And they never should have lost them. Well, I mean, like... It's a built-up story when it comes to it, though. I mean, Lucha Brothers have to go through some people first. They're gonna be the they're gonna be the faces. So, I kind of hope they're the last ones to go to because I do want to see the um, Lucha Brothers have a good run for yeah. a long time. Yeah, um, absolutely. FTR has to still I do, build I do, But you're up. right, though. I do want to see them plow through the competition, eventually get their ranks, but not to 
a hot shot it and make it go quick. Yeah. I want it to be a long burn where they get involved and it's a long storyline and it gets to the pay-per-view. Yeah. Now, we do have one in November, um, but I'd rather see it in February, to tell you the truth. Give it a long, good story talent. Like, make it work. You I know? agree. I agree with that. This this is one that doesn't need the hot shot. Now, if the dumb fuck still had the belts, I'd hot shot the shit out of it. But because the Lucha Brothers got it, we can slow burn this. All right, so... um. Obviously, FTR gets the win. Big rig on Dante Martin. Next, we have commentary brings up Suzuki. The the Suzuki incident, which is a big thing in the IWC, which I had no fucking idea. So I guess they had to get, like, the IWC um, sweetheart, CM Punk, to explain the situation. Talks about how seriously they take it and how the pioneer Minoru Suzuki is both pro wrestling and mixed martial arts master. Minoru feels insulted and wants payback because they did not play his music when he was actually making it to the ring. They just played the video montage. Then it segues to a video package of Suzuki and Lance Archer. Now, talk about a fucking big show fucking in my face, in my heel, in my face, in my heel. Guess what this week? He's a fucking heel. Talks about John Moxley's <laughs> match against the menorah. Um, Archer says, one Suzuki gun, always Suzuki gun. If you don't know what that is, it's a faction up in New Japan. Obviously, um, uh, Lance Archer and Suzuki did team up back in Japan, which they're pretty prolific on that side over there. And um, they just said, like, okay, you guys want to sit there and disrespect us? Hey, I'm on the show. Hello. Say hi to Vinny since you're here. Hi. Hello. She comes in here and she's like, what's that noise? <laughs> <laughs> what noise? <laughs> Am I moving my leg too much? No, I don't know what it is, but it's like banging shit. Well, I'm not wrestling or anything in here. I'm talking about wrestling, babe. I'm sorry. Bye. Bye. I love you, too. <laughs> party interruption my wife likes to come in and ask me if i'm making noise i'm sitting there talking to you so my voice is noise and very much so it is but only when he talks about the anyways, elite exactly so it's all noise it's all <laughs> static but no pretty much like they're trying to build up obviously um it's going to be uh Minoru suzuki and uh lance archer versus john moxley and uh uh eddie kingston obviously it's what the sub is going to be for that so we can all see that happening which is going to be pretty cool I mean, we've been like, we, here's the thing though. It's a nice little flow, right? You have like a match, backstage segment, match, backstage seg segment, whatever. So you kind of sit there like, if you're pumped for the match, kind of gives you time to kind of cool off, see a new angle, and set something up, set something up, set something up, do something else. That was pretty cool, man. Um, next, we have Malachi Black, which, dude, I gotta say, is my fucking favorite. Malachi Black sitting. Crisscross applesauce at the ring entrance. It's all black. You can't really see him. And then all of a sudden the lights and the music comes on. And all you see is like the skull and the fucking horns come out. It looks really fucking awesome. Makes his way to the entrance. He gets on the microphone. He goes like, the people of um, the House of Black stand up. And like literally everybody stood up. I'm like, that has got to be fucking awesome. The fact that you just say everybody who represents the House of Black stand up. He's supposed to be the fucking heel. Everybody in that fucking place stood up. I was like, man, this is fucking that having that kind of fucking power. He comes out there and he goes to the ring, whatever. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, we have an enemy amongst us. And all of a sudden, it's going to be a camera. And guess who it is? Rosario Dawson. She's on that uh, next big thing show with uh, Cody Rhodes. Also, she was in Clerks. If you didn't see the last one on there, um, she's actually an archer. Um, I think it's Lana. That's that's her. Um, anyways. So then she gets on the back of Malachi Black and tries to choke him out, but he throws her down. And who do you see? It's fucking Cody Rhodes making way through the crowds, come out there and fights. You know, throw, fans are throwing uh, the fans are throwing food at the fucking Malachi Black. And finally, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes makes his way out there and actually fights off 
fucking Malachi Black, and I'll say this fight off was actually longer than the last match he had against Mr. Malachi Black. Yeah, which is why, like, that's always the weird thing that I notice, especially with Cody. He'll get squashed, but then all of a sudden try to come back and act like, oh, I can go toe-to-toe with this guy. I'm like, he just massacred you. It's like, unless you went into a yeah, hyperbolic so- time chamber and trained to be a fucking Super Saiyan, uh, not believable. No, it's just like he gets his he gets a shit kicked out of him. He he has to relax for like fucking four weeks, five six weeks, whatever. And he comes back. He's like, I've just been on TV. <sighs> Super Saiyan engage. <laughs> Cody Rhodes. <laughs> exactly like that. It's like all right, but either way, they're making this interesting for when they they eventually are going to fight again. Even though everyone thought Cody well, it's was about leaving, because you know Malachi Black had to go through Brock Anderson. He had to go through Lee Johnson. He had to go through Dustin, and now. Now he finally comes back. It's like, was that show really worth taping that your whole Nightmare family got destroyed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I got to feel sorry for the Nightmare family, right? You have, like, QT Marshall that's a factory, and you have a Nightmare factory that Cody's running. So every time Cody goes, I'm pretty sure by the end, the Nightmare family's like, oh, fuck, we're going to get killed again, aren't we? <laughs> Who's the next big bad coming to beat us up? What the fuck, man? <laughs> First was Brody Lee, now it's Malachi Black. Who's next? It's like nobody wants him to leave, so he's like, hey, I gotta, I gotta go tape uh, that new show he's doing with his wife. He's like, ah, oh, fuck, how long are you gonna be on TV for? Nine weeks. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm a jobber for the next nine weeks. Okay, thanks, Cody. Great, you Cody. Piece of shit. <laughs> I just built all this stock, now it's gonna plummet. Fuck you, Cody. So wait, so what's the story? I get my ass kicked for nine weeks, and you come back and get redemption for yourself? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's for the family. No, it's not. It's for you. For the family. What are you, Vin Diesel? Fuck off. What is this, Fast and Furious? (laughs) It's all about family. It's all about family, bro. We're going to the moon. It's all about family and astronauts. (laughs) Go. To the moon! I actually, I haven't seen that movie yet, but I heard that they go into fucking space. Yeah. What the fuck? I didn't watch it. I heard about it, too. What the fuck? You're racing fucking like, uh... That dude from Tesla's fucking car up there. What's his name? Yeah, uh, the Tesla. Um, ah, fuck, I can't think of his name right now. I can't either. God, it's um. It's gonna come to me later on and be like, oh shit, it's that motherfucker. It, Elon Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah, I heard he. Oh, yeah, Musky. Yeah, I heard him and a bunch of other people went into space already. Yeah, they're trying to find other planets. They, they want to get off of this one, I guess, pretty quick. I guess I don't know. I, yeah, they can find one with intelligent life. Uh, well. Let's get back to life over here. I, you know what would be really cool to see? Elon Musk is a, is all elite. That would be the coolest fucking thing. <laughs> Elon yeah. Musk is all elites. And then Shotzi Blackheart gets fired from NXT or from WWE. She comes into fucking uh, AEW with a Tesla fucking tank oh made by God. Elon Musk. <laughs> and the tank. That's just good storytelling. And the tank drives and parks itself. It does. And it shoots multiple people with pinpoint accuracy. <laughs> Thanks, Musky. You're uh, the best. <laughs> Come on, Musky. We're friends. Like, me and TK are friends, you know? All right. Anyways, let's get to the next one over here. We have a video package between the Bunny and Anna Jay. They've had some problems as of late. That's the feud going on. Obviously, the last pay-per-view, they fought each other in the Battle Royal. One took out the other because you have Ty Conte and um, Anna Jay on one side and the Bunny on the other and uh yeah it's it's something so dark order being interviewed off there and evil don't cuts off Anna by answering some questions about uh debuting on rampage now, everybody knows unfortunately this is like a sad day because alex reynolds and john silver 
they left the Dark Order. Emma Jay's leaving the Dark Order. There's dissension on there. Um, it, it's kind of like having parents divorce because you love them so much. You didn't want to see that divorce happen. You're trying to figure out who am I spend Christmas with? Am I going to spend my day, you know, with my dad, or am I going to my mom's place for Christmas? It's like one of those situations. That's how we got going over here with the Dark Order. Angie's like, well, fuck it. If you guys don't want to get this shit taken care of, then I don't want to be part of this shit. So it looks like Dark Order is in shambles. Even Uno's not a leader. He can't get everybody together. Um, Alex Reynolds um, is is on his own, pretty much. If you watch Being the Elite, fucking Johnny Hungy is fucking getting drunk by himself because he wants to be like Cowboy. Um, you know, they're they're in a they're in a mix of something else. So if it's, if it's only if only there was a charismatic cult leader that could bring everybody together and make everybody a family again, so from the backwoods you wouldn't really think about. You know, the kind of person who lives in an outhouse and that has like a lantern or something. And it was very charismatic, and every, he always fun for people who were kind of like lost and gave them a reason to live and a reason to fight. If only there was some free agent out there that could put this team together. I just can't think of the name. I just can't. Yowie, wowie, how are we going to figure this out? Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Sometimes, you know, when, when it comes to wrestlers, sometimes you just got to let them in, you know? Yeah, um, you should just judge them. You know the book by its cover, but you should just really just let him in. Well, you know, there's a seat. You know, there, there is a way to find him. There's a way to find him. How's that? Follow the buzzards. They'll lead you to That's him. It's crazy because I follow the buzzards during the day, and when I was at night, I got lost in the woods, and I just fired the fireflies. I followed them over to this little pasture. It was pretty nice. Yeah. And then I was, and then I was introduced to this, this fiend of a man. He spoke in beautiful nursery rhymes. Yeah, and I, and all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, this radio came on, and I just started hearing, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. It's like, what the fuck? It was crazy. It was like and a then, choir like, of children go, singing. It was crazy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of crazy. I did see, like, a little... I did see like um, a little gravestone too, and it said something like Sister Abigail. It didn't even have a first name. It's like the brother <laughs> didn't know like the girl's first name. She's a Sister Abigail. And I don't. So, do you, maybe she didn't have any parents. Maybe yeah. she was adopted. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know why it, we can't find him. This is so Bray. I mean, it's just the Wyndham, the way, you know, it's just the way the Wyndham rolls sometimes, yeah. you know? But it, yeah, it's like, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like a rotunda tisserie. We gotta find it. It's like I saw the I saw the downpours, the downspots that look like tornadoes. Those are called like rotundas, I guess. Yeah, the, I think Mexican so. Coast, yeah, right? yeah, I know. Um, although some say, he, although some say he's in hiding. I think he got audited by the IRS. Yeah, you know, I heard about that. I heard his father was in, involved with the IRS somehow. Yeah, but but I believe someday what, we'll though, find him. It, but you know what though, I do remember though his brother did go to the Olympics, and I believed in him so much. Yeah, although he got the bronze, although he got the bronze. I believed he was gonna do a lot better. Absolutely, you know, you just you just have to. Wow, have... I can't believe it. I can't. I cannot believe we made this skit go for as long as it did. <laughs> that was good. Just... That was fucking golden. Oh my god, that was that's great. That's great. We and we have it and we have it on record. It's on audio tape, so we we have it. So you have one of those moments where we talk on the phone and make it happen in real life. So yeah, good. that, that was literally a phone call we would fucking have in the car. You know, it's weird. I wish we record our phone calls because our phone calls, I think, is like. So fucking good. Like, I was like, man, I should record that. I should bring a little tape recorder with me and just be like, all right, cool. Here, yeah. man, you figured out. That would, that would be a – although that episode would be weird because they'd be hearing Italian accents for like five, ten minutes. I don't know if people could sit through it that long. 
I think the people would want to hear that. I think people really? would want to hear that. I'm not going to lie to you. Really? I mean, no. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, if they do, I'll, if they do, we'll think about the people it. Don't, people, people on the internet are weird anyway, so they'll be like, all right, cool. We like this. It's cool. Exactly. Uh-huh. All right, cool. So uh, thank you so much for segueing away so much from that because that was perfect. I think that was excellent. Um, next, we got the best thing in wrestling, the best – He's my Paul Heyman of AEW, Dan Lambert from American Top Team, ah, yes. over there with Men of, Men of the Year. I gotta say, Dan Lambert has been such a, such a breath of fresh air. I love this man. I love his promos. He's on point. He knows his shit. I mean, he just knows how to. It's awesome. Um, it's so funny because like uh, they, they he was trying to bring up the history of wrestling. He's like, you know, back in the day, you knew who was drawing. Uh, based on the merch that's being sold out, but it's kind of hard to fucking tell because all your merch is sold out. So who the fuck is over? <laughs> Which is awesome. He goes like, the he was like all the sizes for the shirts are always sold. Like for the men's are always sold in small, and the women was sold extra large, saying that the men are too small and scrawny and pieces of shit, and the women are super fucking fat. That's, that's great. What he got it from. So he was like bringing everybody down. Everybody in the locker room was like an overrated piece of shit. And enters Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, and then. You know, Dan says, like, over there, he's like, the crowd just, uh, doesn't know the words to Jesus, but it keeps singing, and it cuts off to prove him wrong. <laughs> Jericho says, they sing along to a Lambert song, but no one knows the words to the, I'm a fat-faced dipshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 and then he sings a couple of bars, and he says, like, I'm a fat shit. I'm a fat-faced dipshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So Chris Jericho, I know we talked about what well, Jericho Chris Chris Jericho had left in the tank, and it looks like uh, they're setting up a program between um, the men of the year, Scorpio Sky, and fucking all Ethan, uh, all ego Ethan Page, versus Chris Jericho and fucking um, um, Jake Hager, Mister Serious, Mister Bodyguard, Mister Brock Lesnar impersonation. Um, you know they're gonna sit there and uh, have this little Jake Hager bodyguard slash Jericho thing. I am looking forward to it because I love all Ethan, all ego Ethan Page and Scorpius. I love the men of the year. I think they're great. They got a mouthpiece now and Dan Lambert's. Chris Jericho doesn't need a mic man because he can do it himself. And fucking Jake Hager can sit there and just say yes or I'm sorry, and he'll be great. <laughs> it works. I mean, Hager has has cut some promos though that were good. But even if he does the one word thing, they found they it was genius. Like the way they did the sorry. Between the two of them in the beginning, I thought was brilliant. Jericho not no, being able good. to say sorry, so he would literally carry on a sentence. Hager would say sorry, and Jericho would just keep going with the conversation. Like it was fluent. Like I would like to tell the people that I am for my behavior, and I want to let them know that I will do my best to not have to say in the future. Like he would just keep going. Like the the, the chemistry was on point. Like that was very well done. I don't know how many times they had to rehearse that, but it was very well done. I thought so. I, I I like seeing these two together. Hager and Chris Jericho makes a lot of sense. Uh, both veterans. I think Jericho obviously has a couple years on Mr. Jake Hager, but Hager's been around the business for quite a long time since he was the All-American American. Um, obviously, being a Lucha Underground and then making his way towards AEW. Um, I'm not saying he's top-notch, top-dollar, top-billing, but he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with. And having Jericho right there with him, I mean, those are two fucking brick houses right there. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. They're good wrestlers, but they're going to rely heavily on their wrestling and their stamina to get past the Wiley veterans, yeah. which are Jake Hager and Chris Jericho. So this is a good matchup because you have kind of like a blending of the old school with the new school. You know, you have one system of, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it though, 
Chris Jericho learned his craft, obviously, in New Japan and WCW and, you know, ECW and WWE for a long time. But uh, Jericho, let's face it, he spent majority of his time in WWE. So he's a byproduct of that. And then Jake Hager is kind of the same way. So they came from that place fighting the people who are pretty much born and raised in either the Indies or AEW. So it's a crossing of both generations, which I think is going to make for a great fucking match between these people. Oh, amen to that. I mean, granted, I, I love Scorpio Sky. Uh, I'm not real high on Ethan Page, but either way, this is shaping up to be a good rivalry. And you got at you got you got Adam Lambert, or I believe that's you know he is fucking Dan Lambert. Yep. Dan Lambert sorry, not Adam. Dan Lambert, who is, in my opinion, uh, a great heel, and love the realism he brings to AEW. Um, I love that. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to draw comparisons because like. I want to say Paul Heyman because Paul Heyman is super promo to box. You, you guys know my my profound love for Paul Heyman. Like I feel like there's nobody on that on a microphone. Maybe CM Punk, maybe like a touch him on a microphone. But Paul Heyman's still in a league of his own. So the fact I'm making drawing comparisons from Dan Lambert to Paul Heyman is not an easy task. So that's what that's what I'm saying. Dan Lambert is the Paul Heyman of AEW. Who never he'll never reach the levels of Paul Heyman because Heyman's been around for a long time, and when he shoots. And he just sits there and talks from the hearts. And he makes you passionate for that promo, for that match, for that pay-per-view. Whatever he's selling, you're buying. Dan Lambert's, I feel he's in the same league with him. Oh, almost. Paul Heyman's in a league on his own, but I can see comparisons drawn between the two because, by God, I mean, Dan Lambert knows the product. He knows how to sell it. And he knows the right kind of, like, oomph to add to whatever he's adding to it, though. So, kudos to Dan. I think he's doing a great job. Dan, you're my MVP. Absolutely, and uh, so I believe what's what's next, Elvis? Uh, we got a women's match finally um, in a match. Whatever we do have, Jade Cargill with a smart Mark Sterling um, versus Layla Hirsch. Um, I gotta say this: this has been the longest match Jade's been in. She's still green. She's still greener than Snoop Dogg's green uh, weed. You know what I'm saying? Um, she's very much green, but this is the longest match she's ever had. And Layla Hirsch, I think they've been practicing because I've seen Jade Cargill. And she always had shit matches. She'd just pose, do a couple big spots, and she was fucking done. Layla Hirsch brought it to her. I mean, she used that muscle. She used that. I mean, she's like five foot, but she's five foot of fucking stacked fucking muscle. You can't. I'm going to say like fucking big cats. You can't teach that. That girl is a fucking legit. And here's the thing about Layla Hirsch, right? So she's from Russia or wherever the fuck she's from. But now, all of a sudden, because they don't have a lot of people living in Jersey... Layla Hirsch is now pronounced as she is currently living in New Jersey. So now her hometown is Jersey. Wow. Because everybody, everybody, everybody wants to get a hometown pop, whatever. So they just made Layla Hirsch her hometown of Jersey. So when you look in AEW, when the game comes out, when it says hometown, it's going to say Jersey, not Russia or wherever else yeah. she's supposed to be. Well, I'm so reading... hopefully she changes her ring gear. Go ahead. I was saying she was born in Moscow, Russia, but she does live in Hill, Hillsborough Township, New Jersey. She really does live there. Yeah, so she lives there now. So hopefully with, like, when she first, like, she's, like, the legit, you know, Layla Hirsch, right? I mean, she's a legit fucking wrestler, a legit fucking badass, right? So with her being from Russia, I think with the, the gimmick on the outfit, and, I, you know, I kind of say the attire really matters when it comes to a character. Like, I could imagine Stone Steve Austin in white trunks, you know what I'm saying? You can, like, The Rock always changes colors up, but he always had that Brava Bull, you know? Or, you know, certain characters have certain, like, attire that fits their personality so when Layla Hirschford came on her attire was like she was from Russia that's it she's a legit fucking great wrestler 
but there wasn't much to her. Now that she's from Jersey, maybe she could have some Jersey-ish kind of fucking like attire, something kind of give her personality because although she's a great wrestler, she's like Lance Storm. Great wrestler, shitty on a fucking mic, shitty to fucking talk to. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, lo- I love Lance Storm. I think Lance Storm is one of my favorite Canadian heroes. Um, you know, my couple favorite wrestlers I have is Kenny Omega, I mean from Canada. Uh, Kenny Omega, Lance Storm, uh, fucking Sean Spears, Bret Hart, uh, Chris Benoit. Obviously, I, I'm gonna sit there taking him away. I love Chris Benoit. I'm mean, shitty the things he's done, but when it comes to his body of work, I think it's second to none. Uh, but he's one of my favorite Canadian wrestlers. Um, Bobby Roode is fucking awesome. But I could go on and on. But still, nonetheless, Jade Cargo. Although it looks like they did practice this match quite a bit, though Jade's still kind of rough around the edges. She's too worried about her aesthetic as opposed to her wrestling ability. And she needs to draw a line to figure out, okay, stop fucking with your hair, quit fucking with your equipment. If your equipment doesn't work correctly, wear something else. Because she's too worried about the aesthetic of wrestling as opposed to the actual wrestling. And that's my drawback from Jade Cargill. She's going to figure it out. She will be a star. At first, I fucking hated this bitch. I couldn't stand her. (laughs) I think the dance partner she had in Layla Hirsch brought the best out of her. Hopefully this is this does something else for Layla Hirsch because like Layla Hirsch did have to take a pinfall on here with the uh, jaded pinfall with a jaded finisher, but Jade has a long ways to go. And like I remember you've been saying for a long time, as long as she listens to whoever she's working with, she's gonna be fine. And if this match had any indication about her future, I think both Layla Hirsch and Jade Cargill are gonna get to the promised land within the next year, year and a half. Jade Cargill has a promising future if she just steps away from the aesthetic. And works on the wrestling, and Layla Hirsch has to work on the aesthetic and not the wrestling because one person has one, one person doesn't have the other. It's kind of a weird mix up when you look at it 50 50. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you can, and, it, and the thing is, you could actually see Jade Cargill's all aesthetic and wrestling. And it's so weird. You see those two balances, but once they kind of figure out that counterbalance to work with each other, they're going to be stars, man. Jade's going to be a star soon enough. And I wanted to hate the girl at first. But after this match, if she keeps bringing these kind of level matches, and she wasn't great, but at the same time, Britt wasn't great at first either, and she worked her way up. If Jade works on little falls, whatever, she'll be fine. Layla, she's good in the ring, but she needs to draw the attention, the admiration from the crowds, and she needs a little personality. If they could just fucking talk to each other and say, hey, um, you're really strong. And the other one's like, well, I look really good, and I do look good too. And, I, and But when they if they were to like just somewhere meet in the middle and just say, hey, let's just have a wrestling match with passion, but with aesthetic too, man, that'd be unstoppable. I'd like to see these two tag teams together. Kind of like an odd couple, but they both teach each other things. Like Layla would teach Jade how to wrestle, and Jade would teach Layla how to fucking bring passion. Because the thing is, like, boo or a hater, she's flashy, and she's going to get attention. Because she's getting attention, although she is green as shit right now. I mean, yeah, and what makes it work, what makes it great, is the fact that she is that she's she's improving with every match. Like, obviously, with uh, Britt Baker, Britt Baker was always good in the ring. Like, not amazing, but good. It was her promos that was holding her back the most because they were trying to, they wanted to turn her heel, and she was shit as a heel. But eventually, once she figured it out, she became the most over woman in the company. Um, but right now, currently, we have to see the changes going on here. Like, Jade Cargill... Like we said, like you said, she needed a dance partner. She's gotten significantly better. As a promo, she is great. It's the in-ring work that need that she needs to fix at. But she's great as a heel. She's good at getting heat. She's able to frustrate the shit out of people. It works. So 
She, like I said, once we get the in-ring skills, she's a star. She's got the look, and she's got the promo already. Yeah, because it's a three-step process. I think you and I could agree to it. Some people are gonna have two out of three when it comes to it, though. But first, you gotta have the look. You gotta have the aesthetic. Doesn't match the personality. Check. Boom. Done. Right. And you got the wrestling acumen. Right. Some people could do more with less. Hogan did it for years. Um, you know, John Cena did it for years. I mean, later on, he got better. I, I we both we don't have the conversation again, but we could you know we could both say that you know um, he got better. But the three chick- the chicken marks is like the aesthetic, the wrestling acumen, and then the promos. Some people have one of them, one of three. Some people have two out of three. But when you get three out of three, oh man! And and like that—that's what makes you a superstar. John Moxley has aesthetic, has a wrestling acumen, has a chops and a mic. Boom, done. Right? Then you have fucking CM Punk, wrestling acumen, aesthetic, and everything else. So when you have all three, it works. But even like sometimes it could be entertaining just having two out of three because some people just can't cut a punk promo. Sometimes they don't need that fucking promo. I mean, Brock Lesnar's not aesthetically... I mean, he's aesthetically great. He's a good wrestler. He's got a limited range, but at the same time, it works for him. But he doesn't have to be on a mic. He could, he could do with more with less. Not saying that many words. He doesn't have to cut a passionate promo for 20 minutes to get his point across. Yeah, if you don't have to, then don't do it. But do just be the best person that you can be. Well, I mean, sometimes it's fun going through a journey, too, when someone, like, you know, spins a web, like... Who doesn't want to sit there and listen to Bray Wyatt babble about everything and nothing at the same time? Like, holy shit, that was a fun little ride. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, you're being carried through words, through this valley of everything and nothing. Because wrestling is like, you know, fat, boom, 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 done, promo, and it's done. There's no, I mean, sometimes there's rhyme and reason when it comes to it. It works, it's great. But when you get carried through a, a like, a storyline, when someone gets in a microphone, explains to you, and paints a picture in your mind... And carries you through from the beginning of the promo to the end, and you hang on to every fucking word. That's beautiful, man. There's only some. There's only a handful of people that can make that happen. But when this happen, if it's good, it's fucking great, man. So I don't know. I'm, I, I know I'm venturing off again. My mistake. Yeah, and um, I will. I do will say this though, because I think we kind of skipped over this. Um, apparently, the Gun Club attacked Paul White because they're tired of being overlooked, and they want to take the respect they earned and. Anyone who has a problem with it can come tell them. I confuse. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of confused too. Don't get me wrong. The the points they made up was like, you know, it was like AEW is all about rankings. Everything's about rankings and champions and everything else. So he's like, you know, we've been together for quite a long time. Like, me and I see them much on Dynamite, but they're always on Elevation. They're always on Dark. But here's the thing. The Gun Club is undefeated. They've never been beaten in tag team action. But my drawback to this is like, how did Paul White have any doing of this at all if anything they want to make maybe make a statement it made no fucking sense but i'm mean, like the the promo that mr ass did i'm an ass man yeah i'm an ass man <laughs> but i mean i'm glad they're heels that's fun i mean who doesn't want to be a heel especially when it comes to a tag team run but i don't understand why attacking paul white would garner any attention except for hey we're here. We beat this guy up. Now notice us. Ha ha. Ass out. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I don't think they needed the heel turn. And I don't know. Is it going to lead to Billy Gunn versus. Is this going to lead to Billy Gunn versus Big Show? No, I think like what they're trying to put. Like they're trying to put the locker room on notice. They, they took down a giant. So now like, you, you know, their name should have some kind of relevancy. But, you know, get some wins on Dynamite. We'll see something, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're facing teams in Dynamite or Elevation. Sorry, but uh, I'm an enthusiast for AEW, but I don't watch Elevation. I don't watch Dark. I don't watch Dark. I mean, if I if 
I so happen to see it on my YouTube if I'm on at that time of night. I'll maybe watch it, but I, and it's it, I've seen some past episodes. They're pretty good, but it's not something I seek out or make time out of my day. Like I'll watch Big Neil Elite. I'll watch um, Comics Exploit on YouTube, or I'll listen to my music videos. Like when we were supposed to meet up today, I was listening to music videos before we started the podcast. But you won't see me on YouTube all the time following series like Elevation or Dark. I, I just don't do it. So sorry, but not sorry. Exactly. And uh, so, what, so where do we go next? Andrade El Ido cuts a pro about he's one step ahead and never gave Chavo, never gave Chavo Guerrero, or I like to call him Ooh Chavo, uh, permission to interfere in his match. So pretty much all this thing has been going on between Pac and El Idolo. Chavo Guerrero has been like pretty much fucking up travel plans for Pac or for the Lucha Brothers because obviously Andrade was interested in having the Lucha Brothers um, join his faction. So Pocket had some troubles, but it seems like every time they're supposed to have a fight, something happened where the limo driver didn't pick him up, or the cab didn't pick him up, or the runs didn't go through. It's like all these weird things always fucking happen when Chavo's around, always having that fishy look, whatever. So pretty much uh, Andre Alito just fucking fired Chavo. He's like, I'm done with you. So we all know where this is going towards. Do you know what I'm talking about? Let me guess. We're probably going to see Andrade versus Chavo. No, we're going to have Chavo versus Pac, but there's been some rumblings online that uh, supposedly Andrade and his father-in-law are going to be working together as father and son-in-law and whatever. Ric Flair is going to be fucking Andrade's fucking manager. They're going to bring Ric Flair into AEW? They're going to bring Ric Flair into AEW. Interesting. Okay. They've been saying that for a long time. That's the way I see it. So, yeah. So, so that happens. Um, so what do you think about Ric Flair? Um, Mr. I've been to, ev- like, literally been to every promotion in the world. <laughs> um, how do you feel about this one? Well, here's the question. How long before we see the robe and tights? I don't think that's going to happen. You sure? I don't think. Uh, Are you sure? I don't think Tony's, Tony's going to want that. I spoke well, to him last week about it. Well, that, cause that's going to be the question. Because as we all know, Ric Flair's got seven ex-wives so he, he he sometimes does need them there are times where he gets into a cash flow problem that was that was why he went but, that's why he wrestled in tna he needed the money could he be in yeah, that same scenario in aw tony khan knows, knows him at the, as the asset that he is and he knows rick flair is going to bring some viewers on there so he doesn't have to do that shit he's not working on the indies this is a televised show that's going to generate ears generate eyes they got advertisement uh, one advertisement they don't have right now is Domino's. Fuck them. Um, so uh, they're missing out because the key demo has been through the roof. It's been more than Monday Night Raw multiple times. And Domino's Pizza wanted to sit there and get pissed off about a pizza cutter. Fuck you, Domino's. Pizza Hut for life. Can't out pizza the hut. But um, nonetheless, um, you know, we're, we're killing it. So whatever. Um, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, don't but like, don't you know, count Rick, out Rick, Rick Flair Rick wanting Flair, to get back in the ring. I think Ric Flair will get paid the same amount of money to just sit there and be a manager as opposed to wrestling and just give his wrestling knowledge. Now I've had a good authority. People tell me online because everybody knows that what they say on the internet is true. Always, Ric Flair is not really good at giving advice. He's not a really good coach. Um, he tried to make him a trainer back in NXT many many years ago. But he doesn't know how to relay the message. And here's the weird thing. He says, I just know when I get out there, when I get out to the ring, I can call a match. I can follow a person. I can lead them. It doesn't matter what position I'm putting, I'm put into. 
I can sit there and just go through the Florida match in my head, but I cannot relay that message to you because every time every time I get in the ring, everything is already everything is just going by feeling. So it's kind of weird to teach a feeling into actual maneuvers when it comes to I can teach you the basics, but when it comes to having that feeling, I can't teach that because that's something you have to know organically. Well, yeah, there, there's certain things in wrestling good. you can teach, but uh, reacting and living in the moment is something that you have to figure out. Mm-hmm. And for him, he just didn't know how to convey that information because he's one of the greatest of all time. And um, it's just cool the fact that he's so good at his job, he never had to really practice. It was instinctively in his veins, in his blood. He knew how to work any fucking match. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, wrestlers wrestlers do it on a week-in-a-week basis. Don't get me wrong. They have certain chemistry with certain people. But Ric Flair could go to a completely, like, an indie show, a mud show, like you would call them. And work a match and do it masterfully yeah imagine him versus nick gage <laughs> he'd probably like a like he'd probably look like the biggest hero against nick gage in his heyday right i mean he could sit there and just pick up that kind of pace well it's that, insane and it would be a well that would be a terrible thing for him to do because uh nick because nick gage is a selfish piece of shit so okay take take it easy well i'm, well, I'm just trying to draw comparisons about I, I know i know what you're trying to do that. but i'm just saying that that would it's hard to compare that because you know, Nick Gage doesn't listen to anybody in a ring. Well, Nick, Nick Gage, Gage cares about Nick person. Gage. We don't have to go into that little thing, whatever. I love Nick Gage, so I mean, I, I, I gotta say, I love him. I like him. I respect him for turning his life around. And you know, a lot of people don't deserve a lot of chances. I still think a lot of wrestlers don't deserve second chances. Um, but uh, I think he's really turned around, and now he's finally making a living for something he's supposed to do. So. It's not you and I. You and I is um, you and me don't have the same mentality when it comes to it. I have to watch him on my show over again. He was an AEW once. That's all I needed. Yeah. Um. Nothing more. Nothing less. He can still go about his life and have his Twitter followers and do the mud show wrestling outlaw mud show wrestling you talk about so much with Corny. Um. But you know, I'm just happy that he's fine. He, he's great though. I'm just trying to draw up the the comparisons. Like Ric yeah. Flair is just. It's so weird. It's like, imagine being so good, but you can't describe it. It's like, kind of like Jordan trying to tell you to get in the game. Like, I remember Jordan was talking to Kobe about how to take certain shots, whatever. And Kobe took, like, his advice and ex- absorbed it like a sponge. It's cool the fact that Jordan could say something, and he, Kobe picked up on it, but a lot of people couldn't either. So, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. It's 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 fun. But, yeah. again, I got, I got beside myself again. Sorry. But, but yeah, it's okay. But, any, but no, it's actually a good conversation because – Personally, I, I could give a fuck less about Andrade and Chavo and all this, but it was it was good to hear how it happened. And he says he can beat Pac or anyone else he That's wants. With so. That. so finally, we go back to not to the commentator's table, and we do have Excalibur, Jim Ross, uh, and Tony Schiavone, and CM Punk sitting over there. And all of a sudden, we do have um, a Taz rolls up and goes to CM Punk. He's like, you try to take my job? Because obviously Taz is supposed to be there, but for some reason they gave it to CM Punk. I thought it was kind of weird that he was commentating at night, but I thought Taz just had a night off or yeah, exactly. was coloring his, or coloring his towels orange. I don't know. Whatever fucking Taz does in the free time. Um, he goes up there and goes, like, you trying to take my job? And Punk's like, no, nah, dude, I'm not trying to take your fucking job. I mean, if you weren't so bad at it, uh, you know, I wouldn't have to be here, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I forgot what the fuck they said. So Punk gets up from his desk, whatever, and like um, Taz and uh, Hook are walking backwards for a bit, trying to lure him out, and then Powerhouse Hobbs comes out and uh, decks him from the behind. Hook is nice enough to take all the monitors off the table, the announce tables, and then uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, either choke slams him or power bombs CM Punk into the table, but the table doesn't break, <laughs> and it just falls to the side. I'm like, oof, 
That must have been a hard hit. CM Punk got fucking blasted. They go to break. Now, I'm just going to say this right here. When they went to break, I saw a live video for what happened after CM Punk was taken out, whatever. I guess Powerhouse Hobbs was doing that whole sit-down Indian style in the front of the fucking um, the entranceway. And the crowd fucking loved it. It was fucking crazy. So, obviously, everybody loves Punk, you know, when it comes to the whole thing. But when he gets taken out, everybody was booing him. But then at the end, he sat there, he's doing, like, the Indian style, sitting down like Chris, like, um, CM Punk traditionally does. Everybody was cheering Powerhouse Hobbs. And I'm like, holy shit. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Although, yeah, first of all, I find it hilarious. He took my job. Mm. But, um, I will say this, um... Would it have killed anybody to gimmick the fucking table? Or is Powerhouse Hobbs just a little puss? Nobody? I like Powerhouse Hobbs, man. I no, like him. No, I like him too. I'm a big fan of Powerhouse Hobbs. But if you choke somebody through a table and the table doesn't break, that's a problem. That's like, that means someone didn't gimmick the table properly or Powerhouse Hobbs is a puss. Because I see tons of other people who don't have his size that put people through a table and the table breaks. I've seen people with smaller physiques than Powerhouse Hobbs, especially in all elite wrestling, put people through a table and it breaks. So the fact that this didn't break makes Powerhouse Hobbs look like a pussy. That's a problem. No, I think they're going to build up Hobbs, man. I think Hobbs has a lot of upside, man. No, no, I he, think Hobbs. I'm not, that's what I'm saying. Powerhouse Hobbs is a badass in the ring. My point is, you look like a pussy if you can't put somebody through a table that a person who barely has a physique can break a table with ease. That that so I'm not blaming Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm blaming the fucking people whose job it is to gimmick the fucking table. Somebody back there should have done that. I blame TK for this. He should have had somebody on that. Is my is this table gimmicked? Cuz that's part of your job as an owner is to check that shit or have somebody that's in charge of checking that shit. So Tony better have reprimanded somebody for this shit. Somebody needs to be sitting in Tony's office, and Tony needs to be going, look, motherfucker, you just made one of my top guys look like a pussy by not gimmicking the fucking table. Straighten up, or you ain't gonna have a fucking job. I'm not sure about that, because the table looks even worse. When it doesn't break, it just looks like a harder hit, in my opinion. Like, here's the thing. I've been watching tables break for so many years. I feel like if it's gimmicked, it looks cheap. When it doesn't break... Even better. It just means like, oh, they fucking hit. Not only did they hit, they couldn't break it. To me, it's perfect. That's the weirdest thing you've I know ever it said. Weird. I'm not going to lie to you. That I know it sounds, sounds, I know it sounds weird. What's that? That sounds weird as fuck. I got to be honest with you. It makes no, no sense. It does. Like, so like, well, no, let, me, let me give you for instance, right? So last, like, um, when Kenny Omega fought Christian Cage, right? And uh, in during the pay-per-view match, um, uh, Kenny Omega had the table on top of Cage and he did like a coup de grace that broke the table that that you know that scratched Christian Cage's side. But when I saw that and it was gimmicked, and when that broke, or when that ha- when that move happened, I was, I was like, ah, that took it away because it broke. And when I see all these matches where like you barely like fucking touch the table, that things like it breaks, whatever. To me, the breaking of the table is no longer effective to me in my mind. So now when I see a table not break, I'm like, oof. That table's hard. Like I, I feel like the table's like, oh, you're the table. <laughs> like it's not dude, like nothing's. Like, nothing is fucking coming. Nothing's going to happen. So when I see a table not break, for me, it's so weird. I know it's weird saying it. Seeing a table not break feels like it's harder because if they fall the wrong way or if they hit a flat, you know that shit hurts. I don't care from what angle you're coming from. If you take a choke slam into a table that doesn't break, 
to me, just like the impact, like you hit it the first time, you come up like half, half an inch, and you come back down, like boom, boom. That table didn't break. There's no, like, there's no breaking your fall. It's just like a straight up, like, oh fuck, that hurt. <laughs> like you can't get away from it. I mean, to me, to me, it works for me. So I, 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 I would prefer the table not to break. But I'm not sure if it's safer for the table not to break or for it to break. I'm not a professional wrestler, so if you can ask Gator about that, I feel if the table doesn't break, it's harder on you. Hmm. I see. Well, well, maybe someday Gator and I will have the discussion. We'll figure it out. But uh, so, what happens next? Well, I was thinking of a stupid vape. Um, next, we had the entrance of Darby. Oh, we had Sean Spears versus Darby Allen, and Sean Spears comes out sitting on a chair because, of course, he is the fucking chairman of AEW. One of my favorite Canadian wrestlers, Sean Spears, comes out um, against Darby Allen. Now, they had a little repackage of what happened between these two. Now, obviously, you got to remember Darby Allen's first loss took hands from Sean Spears a couple years ago at Fight for the Fallen. So they were reliving that story and bringing it up again. Um, so Sean Spears obviously gets in the ring. They start having his little bout, whatever. And they're, they're kicking the shit at each other. Stings, obviously. Tully Blanchard's there. They're all hanging out, and they're all beating the shit at each other. Well, I like Sean Spears. I think he's one of my favorite Canadian wrestlers of all time. Okay? Um, he's doing a hell of a lot better here than he's done, he's done in WWE with the whole 10 thing, whatever. That was cool for about 10 weeks, and then it was over. Um, but no fault to himself. But, I mean, Sean Spears has transformed completely night and day from his WWE gimmick to being on this one. Darby Allen, you said you wanted to see a match where he actually had some wrestling and want to carry on from his little lineage he had with CM Punk? I think you saw it in bright colors here, friends. Darby Allen and Sean Spears had a true wrestling match. None of that stupid flippy-dippy bullshit that, you know, Cornette likes to sit there and bitch about and mm. Benny Bucci and Zachariah um, Scott. This is something that you would enjoy. Um, did we watch the same match? I think we did. I, I, I saw a relapse if I ever seen one. I did not. This was literally like, I didn't see a lot of wrestling in this match, dude. I'm being honest. The, the there dance part. Quite a the, bit of the, wrestling in here. The, no, I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of dives. I saw a lot of shit with ring steps. I saw oh. acrobat. I did not see a lot of re- the, 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 the wrestling in this match was apt was like minimal at best. I wouldn't say minimal. It was definitely there. It, I think when he came I, back it, commercial too, when 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 Spears had the Scorpion Deathlock on Allen, I thought that was pretty awesome. I mean, um, yeah, it was a good spot. Was I'm just saying, as far as rest, as far as wrestling goes, there was not a lot of it. This was very I much like this was this was Darby Allen back to his old ways again. I just feel like um, we should watch wrestling together at the same time, so that way I could sit there and like be like, "Huh? What's that? Huh? What's that, Vinny? Huh?" But of course, we weren't there together, so that's we fine. weren't. So but I like did, I did pull up the match and watch it during the before we got to this point, and because I wanted to make sure before I started jumping to conclusions, because <laughs> I was reading, I was, what I was reading made me feel like this was a spot fest. But I was like, "Hold on, let me watch the match before I start jumping to conclusions on this." And yeah, I was right. This, this so anyways, is not the same the match, Darby, Darby Allen from Allen All wins. Out. This is not the Darby Allen from Dar- All Out. Darby Allen wins by pinfall, by uh, coffin drop, obviously. But post match, here's the cool thing: Sean Spears was smearing off the face mask or the face paints of Darby Allen, and then when they took out Sting on the outside, Tully Blanchard was taking off his face paint as well too. I was thinking to myself, is this like a luchador thing? Like if you take off the paint, you take away the man? It was a really I thought it was pretty awesome. Like, I've never seen anybody, like, single-handedly, purposely take off the face paint of any wrestler. 
like I, I understand when you're having a wrestling match and the, the paint comes off your face because you're wrestling so much and you're sweaty and or you have people in like in headlocks whatever but like not purposely to take like a rag and you know rub that shit off I was like is that disrespectful like is that a thing because I know if you try to think about Luchador's mask it's like pride whatever the face paint to be rubbed off that's a that's a thing huh I mean I don't know if it's a thing but it's supposed to be this it's supposed to be similar but there's no like tradition with that, really. I was gonna say because like you usually know, no one's ever I tried saw... to take face paint off. It usually just came off in the middle of the match or something because you because like you said you're sweating or you're in headlocks, so it's bound to happen. But the ripping of a luchador mask that that is always that's been a tradition all the way back to when lucha libre started in Mexico. That's been a tradition for eons before there was a, even before there was even a WWE back when it was like Vincent J McMahon running shit before even you know or even back before him like when, before like when the original Vince ran things you know so yeah, but, uh, oh I feel, I feel to mention fucking FTR they did a spike pile driver to fucking sting at sixty two years old yeah a spike pile driver to take him out and I, I forgot to set that up I'm sorry a spike pile driver and a sixty two year old man I'm like holy shit. Yeah, yeah, that was that free was TV. crazy. I mean, free TV. We're giving away a spike pile driver on Sting. Way yeah. to go, boys. Because FTR knows what they're talking about, Rollins. <laughs> there you go, brother. They actually know what the fuck well, they're next, doing. And next we have uh Tony Schiavone's in the ring. He introduces Daniel um Danielson in an interview, um in an in-ring interview. Before we get started to answering whatever, Don Callis and Omega comes out. And uh, let me see if I read this off for, for Bayum. Uh Don Callis, uh, he calls the uh, uh, American Dragon uh, a hippie billionaire and says he listened to this shit all week. And Brian is a sanctimonious son of a bitch. Uh, um, Callis runs down uh, for claiming he made a, his decision to come to AW for the good of the wrestling business. But Kenny told him that's really how Daniel how Danielson thinks. And he's not a carny piece of shit, but rather just a mark the rest of the people. The dragon yells at him to shut up and says he's here to talk to Kenny Omega, not Don Callis. He says someday this might be about the title, but right now it's about who's better and giving the people what they want. Omega versus Danielson. Callis freaks out and says, no way. And again, Dan the American Dragon says, shut the fuck up. I came here to talk to Kenny. But maybe he shouldn't have since he came to AEW to fight the best bout machine, the god of professional wrestling. But since he's been here, all he's seen is a guy who hangs out with a bunch of goofy stooges and lets a piece of shit talk for him. Yes. He's heard that Kenny Omega lost his confidence, lost his step, but he doesn't think that's true. He thinks Kenny will just lost his fucking balls. <laughs> so what do you say, Omega? Who wants to see the best ball machine against the American Dragon? So he's challenging him not to a title match. He's challenging just for a fucking wrestling match. Hey, listen, the title might come later on. I don't give a fuck about that shit right now. You said you're the best in the world. I want to fucking fight you because that's why I came here for. What do you say? How about you hang with a whole bunch of fucking stooges and get a piece of carny piece of shit talking for you? But I'm talking to you, Kenny. Do if you you are the best bomb machine. Let's fucking make this happen. I think it's glorious. I think it's great. Where do I fucking begin? Oh boy. That doesn't sound good. Where do I begin with this? Uh, where do I start? Okay. Earlier in the show, I mentioned that I was going to be chasing a dragon. What you all don't know is it's an American dragon. Because here's the thing you guys probably already know. 99% of the time, when I see or hear something stupid, it's usually coming 
from Kenny Omega. 99% of the time, I see Kenny in a ring, he's going to say or do something stupid. The 1% where he doesn't is in this segment. Kenny was the least of my fucking problems in this. And that's saying something for me. But Brian Danielson said the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. And this is coming from a guy who watched Eugene on Raw. I heard the dumbest thing ever said. Someday this will be about the title. Right now, it's about who's better. Which is interesting, seeing as how the person who is considered uh, better is usually the guy holding the fucking title. You fucking idiot. Whoop-dee-doo, you win a fucking wrestling match. That can happen on any given fucking Sunday. Any outlaw mud show indie jackass can step in a fucking ring and go, I'm the best in the world. If you don't have the belt around your waist, it don't mean shit. I love CM Punk. I think he's doing fantastic things. I see good. I see greatness from this man. He can call himself the best in the world, put on a t-shirt all he wants. Till he's holding the AEW world title, it's basically a gimmick. What the fuck? And here's the thing. Dumb Don Callis called Brian Danielson a mark. And with that statement, he was right. Because that's something a mark would say. That is 100% what a mark, only a mark would think I'm gonna be I'm gonna beat the champion and be the best, but I don't have to take his title. Yeah the fuck you do. Jesus Christ. Eat some meat. Clearly the vegan shit is going to your head. God. No wonder you are a hippie millionaire for fuck's sake. That made me so goddamn angry that you could be that fucking brain dead. And then and where what else happened in this thing that drove me insane? I think there was another thing that happened. Um okay so then Don Callis comes out looking like a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. What is with the pink suit? Seriously? Seriously? Be a fucking man. Can I see a man? That's, let me put it this way. There's a reason why I chose Teenage Dirtbag for this song. Because I saw some Teenage Dirtbags, baby. Right here. Seriously. I'm seeing children right now. For the first time in Kenny Omega's career, he was the mature one in the ring. He was the one that was actually a badass. That's how bad this segment was. I'm praising Kenny Omega. That's how shitty the other two people were in this segment. The guy not talking was the most mature, the most over. You know, they said, like, Kenny lost his balls. Well, he didn't, if, he, if he did lose his balls, he can just take Adam Pages out of the jar and attach them. So he's got balls. We talked about this already, Vinny. No, no, no. We talked about this, Vinny. We know why he's out. It's not about that. You know that. Don't be, don't be ignorant. Just let me do my bit. Thank you. No. Just doing. Okay. This is the dumbest shit I ever heard in my life. Daniel Brian Danielson sounded like the dumbest human being on earth in this segment. I actually was more entertained by Kenny. That's how bad that was. I'm watching these two go back and forth and just, oh my God, that was stupid. And now, yeah, they're going to fight next week. Look, these two can fight all day long until there's a title on the line. The win don't mean shit. All it means is, oh, I get to have a, I can, uh, now if he wants to say, if I beat Kenny, I get a title shot. Okay. That'll mean something, but it's not going to make you better because you're the other guys still got the fucking belt. That symbolizes who the best in the world is. There's a re- uh, otherwise, why are you calling it the most prestigious title in all of wrestling if it doesn't symbolize who the best is? If any Johnny come lately can just step in the ring and call himself the best and not to hold the title, what's the fucking point? Why is it special? Why do I care? 
Make me care. That's your job as a wrestler is to make me care. Make me care about your title that you claim to be prestigious. Because at the end of the day, that's how you're going to hurt Kenny Omega. Clearly, he can take a loss. He just took one from Christian on fucking Rampage. Clearly losing doesn't bother Kenny. Because he just beat Christian at All Out to keep his other title. So he's basically saying, I don't care that you took this crappy belt off of me for a company that gets benefits more from us than we do from them. But the title that means something, I still have that. See, Kenny can use that to justify why he's still the man. Now, again, I personally don't think he's the man, but in the kayfabe world of wrestling, where I'm supposed to believe in what I'm seeing, because he has the world title, he is the best. Because I have the best title. Yeah, I lost the Impact title. All right. Boo-hoo, whatever. I got the AEW world title. And as long as I still have this, I am the best bout machine. I am the god of professional wrestling. That's what it's all about. So tell me how you feel about CM Punk and tell me how you feel about Kenny Omega. <laughs> Listen, man, I think you and I saw it from a completely different aspect. I think that he just wants to fight him just to fight him. His personality is going to be his whole mantra, his whole thing in being in AEW is to be the guy who wants to fight everybody because he has a chance to. He was retired before. He came back from an injury. He wants to make the best of his time. He's a Christian, but way fucking better. And that's his mantra. That's his stick. That's what he wants to do. So I'd say let him fucking do it, man. I think it's perfect. I think it fits him. I think it suits him perfectly. So I don't see your irony from what you're what you're drawing from this. Um, I don't get it. But you know, it's each person their own. Or I can't sit there and fight everything. But what? I think that he wants to be known as the the workhorse. Like you know, you know, Christian's mantra was work harder, and or or be better or you outwork know, everybody, which is. I'll work everybody. I think Dale Bryan has that to a T. He doesn't need a t-shirt to say that because he does that shit week in, week out. So um, I'm just saying, yes, I mean, but, that's going to be the hook. But therein lies the problem. You've taken out every credible person that's left. Kenny Omega has blown through some challenges. Most, Some of them were credible. A lot of them were, why the fuck is this guy in the picture? Oh, that's right, because there are no stars yet. Oh, wait, now we got some. You got to have somebody credible to take this belt off of Kenny eventually. The motherfucker can't hold it forever. You got Brian Danielson, who's your best bet. Because they don't want to rush things with Punk, even though I don't see it as rushing things. And they can't do it to Adam Cole. He just joined the Elite. So that leaves Brian Danielson. That's, that's your star that can take the belt off of Kenny. Because Kenny's beaten everybody. The only other logical thing to do is have Omega Jericho 3. But I don't think anybody wants to see Jericho be a two-time AEW world champion yet. You only have three champions thus far in your company. You got Jericho, you got Moxley, you got fucking Kenny Omega now. Who else? That's the question I always ask. Who else? Brian Danielson's your best choice right now. And you're doing a grand slam, which is supposed to mean that it's a big show. Am I correct in assuming that the purpose of calling it grand slam is that this is a big show on free TV? It's supposed to be... Like a fight for the fallen type shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is, but at the same time, really, realistically, what it is, it's um, they like to give name for shows for certain reason. It brings in better ratings, and the ratings have shown that. So, okay, make this your moment. Hell, you had that winter is coming shit when Omega took the belt to begin with. Now you got a big show here. Fucking give it to Brian Danielson. This is his time. Anoint your new champion. You're the American Dragon. You're the best technical wrestler in the world right now. Anoint a new guy. 
This is your chance. But instead, you're going to give them... It's one thing to give the match away on free TV and have it be for a title. You're giving the match away on free TV where the result is fucking nothing. Nothing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's a match just to have a match. Which, again, is Mark thought. Not business thought. This is... This, this, a non-title match between these two is just, it, just that. It's just a match. It leads to nothing. It leads to nothing. It results from nothing. You already have, your ratings are already fine, so it's not like you're bumping anything. It, it, it was, it, it's, a, it's a waste of time to make it a non-title match. It is a waste of time. I would say a waste of money, but it's not on pay-per-view. But it's a waste of money for anyone who bought a ticket. You're really on a high horse, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I get it. I get it. I get it. So let's get to our last thing here, Vinny. Or we got a couple more things. I thought I thought you and I would come to agreement on this one, but it looks like uh, we're on the same page on this one. That's quite okay. I mean, um, that's fine. Hey, at least I had nice things to say about Kenny, though. Excuse me. It was nice. It was definitely I a complimented Kenny. That's what you, that, that was something. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it anywhere I can. Um, yeah, I'm just saying, you should, this, so you should cher- uh, cherish the moment because I may not do it again. Oh, shit. But anyways, um, last week we got Miro calling out Fuego del So. He says he's going to be putting out the blade. That's, um, he's going he's to be putting himself on a blade that's already spared him. He's going to bash his brain and bash his car and leave his family grateful for it. <laughs> so he's going to beat the shit out of him, take his car, beat the shit out of his car, his family will come and say thank you, Miro, for being a fuck out of Fuego Lil So. That he is, is the best like man. I Miro love was like, this guy. He cannot cut a bad pro. He cannot cut a bad promo. I swear to God. He can't. He can't. I love this. I love everything about this. He's like, I'll, I'll put up my car. Miro's like, I don't give a fuck about your car. <laughs> Fucking love it. I'll bash you and then I'll bash the car because I don't need your freaking car. You fucking mark. I love this shit. I live for this. I want to see this match now. This is the one match I'm most excited for. Just because I want to see Miro beat this stupid fuck up. Well, next we get a promo here. Um, Matt Hardy cuts a promo about how he's sick and tired of Orange Cassidy's antics and he's going to shave his head. So apparently um, they're having a hair match or they might cut off Orange Cassidy's hair. That's fucking weird. That happened, so here we are. Um, next, we had a, uh, a commentary hyping up Daniel Bry- um, Danielson versus Omega for next week's Dynamite, which is going to be, I think that's going to draw some people out there. I'm just telling you for sure. CM Punk versus Powerhouse Will Hobbs for next week Rampage, among other things. So Danielson versus Omega, not title match for Wednesday. CM Punk versus Will Hobbs for Rampage. I think it's shaping up for a good week next week. I don't know about you, say. I mean, there's some. Good- it's going to be two hours. I'm looking at some of the card right now, and with the exception of the non-title match, everything else looks good. There you go. I'll take it. So we got that. So last but not least, we do have 2.0, Jeff Parker and Matt Lee. And let me just tell you this right now, guys. I'm loving 2.0. I think they're great in AEW. Um, Jeff Parker is fucking over the fucking moon. I think he's great. Eddie Kingston and Moxley coming out. Obviously, they're hardcore brawlers on there. Um, But, dude, like... I love 2.0. At first, I wasn't too crazy about him, but I did like Dale Garcia. Dale Garcia is really fucking good, if you guys noticed. I mean, they're, they're smaller than Jeff Parker and Matt Lee, but Dale Garcia is fucking amazing. Um, so I'm not sure people got into the 2.0 bandwagon yet, though, but if you haven't, I would definitely jump on because 
they are really fucking great guys um you guys will definitely love them if you guys have really had a chance to see their antics and all their shenanigans they've been pulling off i think it's pretty fun what do you think about 2.0 um i i find it hilarious because i believe am i am i correct in assuming because i i believe 2.0 i believe in nx they were the team ever rise in nxt yep Is that correct yep okay yep here's why i love this they were in wwe uh-huh. As job guys, <clears throat> yep, they get signed to AEW, and they're job guys. Well, that's hilarious. Vinny, I oh think I think you're seeing it. That's gotta be sad. I can see where you're coming. I can see where you're coming from, but hear me out. Yeah, <laughs> here's the thing, and I I, I I believe your sentiment. I think it's it's kind of facetious. It's kind of funny. I get it. Funny. You know, everybody's got to get a laugh here and there. But here's the thing, and I want you to kind of get behind it if you could, Vinny. Um. They're having main event matches with main event players. Mm-hmm. John Moxley, Kingston, uh, Darby Allen, um, the top t- tag teams. Ever since they came in, yeah, they've been losing matches, but they're in a ring with Sting. They're in a ring with like Darby Allen, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. They get started from the bottom and eventually get there. Maybe someday, as soon as they got in, they're not, they're not in line for a tag team championship or anything else. But they've been invented already sometimes. I mean, they made it made it better tonight. No, I know against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. So yeah, they're job guys, but they're not job guys. I, I, was, I was like, we're bad guys, but we're not bad guys. Yeah, I didn't, I'm not saying they're not talented. I just find that funny. I never said they weren't talented. I just said in WWE they were jobbers. They come to AEW and they're basically jobbers. It's funny. I don't hate them. I, I don't hate them at all. I just think that's funny. Like. Because usually when someone's a jobber in WWE, you bring them to AEW, and they they try to treat them like royalty. Here, they kind of just are still jobbing. Like, yeah, they're in main events, and that's great. So it is an upgrade. So I can see why they're called 2.0. They got a slight upgrade, but they're still jobbers. I just think that's funny. I, it's, there's nothing bad. I just That's just funny to me. I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not negative. I don't hate them. I don't think they suck. I don't think they're getting an undeserved push. I just think that's funny and ironic. You go from one company to be a job guy, and then you go somewhere else, and you're like, eh, I'm still jobbing. Well, I mean, like, you know, I mean, if you're a jobber, you know your place. I mean, everybody in the wrestling world knows their place, even though, like, they have foresight and they want to do something else. But yeah. Everybody knows. You're in a certain totem pole. You're in that totem pole, man. That's all it is. Yeah. So, um. This match was good. It was like a whole bunch of back and forth, but like we all know the answer to this one. Uh, Eddie Kingston, uh, John Moxley. I mean, I love Jeff Parker, Matt, because like they have so much distractions, so many good mannerisms, facial expressions. Um, you know, they're just, I think they're I think they're so fun to watch. I remember when Everise, I was like, man, I'd love to have them in AEW. Boom, they're there. I'm like, shit, I should start saying some other names. Like, I wish Keith Lee was in AEW. I wish Bray Wyatt was there. I wish Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro would join AEW. I wish Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn would join AEW. I'm just saying. I just, you know, if wishes were fishes, man. If wishes were fishes. Except for Nakamura, I agree with you on everyone else. I I need Nakamura there, man. I need Nakamura. No, please, for the love of God, no, no. There's there's, there's enough Japanese strong-style bullshit on this show already. I don't need any more. Ah, whatever. Well, speaking of Japanese bullshit, whatever, we have Minoru Suzuki came out after the match because John Moxley did win with Eddie Kingston. And, um, you know, I'm kind of liking this little feud. I kind of like that the open door has been open. John Moxley introducing all these great legends to American TV. So the you know uh, the Far West is introducing people from the Far East, and I mean it's. Just, I think it's great. I think it's great that we're bringing up all these people because I mean I don't know much of Minoru Suzuki. Um, Suzuki. 
Um, I had to do my research on him, obviously, for last week, whatever. But, dude, this guy is pretty awesome. Um, I have him on my Pro Japan or New Japan Pro Wrestling game that you borrowed for, like, six months and never played. Um, but um, I don't know, man. I think uh, I like the Japanese strong style. It's pretty cool. Um, I think it's pretty fun. But, um, yeah, it's good shit, man. I just I want to see how this takes place. Obviously, we're going to have Moxley and uh, Kingston setting up for Minoru Suzuki and uh, Lance Archer. So, Let's make that shit fucking roll, folks. So, yeah, that was your fucking show for AEW. <laughs> yes. Um, there was there were some good moments on the show. Um, only one or two moments would, would have made me pull my hair out if I still had any. But overall, I liked what I saw. Yeah, that was a good show. I yeah. thought it was off from top to bottom. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the part where we're going to disagree. But like I said, overall, there were moments on this show I enjoyed. I thought it was a... It's a vast improvement from Dynamites I've seen in the past. I saw, usually, like I said, I'm digging through a lot of crap to find a treasure. Uh, I found a lot of treasure and only some crap. Oh, that's you take a bathroom break, so you're good. Yeah, exactly. So I went to the, yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, outside of that, good, great show, man. Genuinely good. Yeah, no shit. It was really yeah. good. And also, uh, we have our AEW rankings as of September 15th. Or actually, we have a... Uh... Um, September 16th is when we're doing it because the show came out last night. So, obviously, your world champion is going to be Kenny Omega, the world's greatest wrestler, God's gift to wrestling. Um, our TNT champion, we have the champion, uh, God, the, the, the Redeemer, God's chosen champion, Miro, as your TNT champion. Uh, number one contender, you do have Orange Cassidy. Now, is he going to go for a TNT championship? Is he going for a world champion? We don't know, but time will tell. Number two, you do have uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, who's number two in the rankings. Um, we do have number three of John Moxley, number four you have Christian Cage, and number five you have Jungle Boy. Currently, women's rankings, you do have your current champion, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, as your world champion. Number one contender, we do have Ruby Soho. Number two, you have Thunder Rosa. Number three, slowly creeping up, is Jade Cargill. Number four, you have Hikiro Shida. And last but not least, the beautiful Chris Statlander. And last but not least, you do have your tag team rankings. The bread and butter of AEW. You have your current tag team champions, the Lucha Brothers. Um, number one contenders, we do have the Butcher and the Blade. Number two, you have the Young Bucks. Number three, you have Jurassic Express and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Number four, you got Santana Ortiz. And last but not least, number five, FTR. And that is your AEW rankings for the week of September 15th, 2021. Awesome. I do have one question. I'm confused. Maybe you can answer it for me. Um, I'm looking at the ranking system for the women. Ruby Soho has a record of 1-0. Jade Cargill has a re record of 12-0. Why is Jade Cargill not the number one contender? Because Ruby Soho won the Battle Royale. Oh, okay. Right. All right. That, that, okay, then. Okay, then. That, that yeah, she won it when she was 0-0. Zero zero. So she had a match on uh, last week versus, I want to say, Jamie Hayter or either Rebel. I think it was Jamie Hayter. No, I think it was Jamie Hayter, and she got her first win. But when she won it, when she got the number one contendership... She was zero and zero. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, wait a minute. And then I see Thunder Rose is like 26 and two. She's got two losses. Why wouldn't Jay Cargill go up to number two then? Uh, because it goes by the strength of the opponent, the opponent you fought as well, too. I see. It's, it's kind of like college football. Like, so when you have like, let's say Alabama face like the University of the Amish Ants, right? <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna kill him like seventy two to zero. But when you have like Alabama play Clemson and it's a close game, your rank is gonna be a lot different depending on the strength of the people you're fighting. Like same thing if you saw 
Um, let's see if a battle between first and second place, or second and third place. You have Georgia versus LSU, right? So with that game, either team could go either back and forth. Either one team's going to be second or third or, you know, vice versa. Obviously, the person in third trying to go for that second second spot, whatever. You never lose. You never lose that spot if you keep winning. You know, it doesn't really go through until the very end. The rig is kind of weird. It's kind of college based. The way they're doing it, though, strength of the opponent, but also the wins do matter. So, if you go to elevation, if you go to dark and build up your name, you'll get the rankings up there. But then when they look at like the strength of it, it's like okay, well, you fought like a whole bunch of jobbers, so it kind of counts, but like not really. So, with the gun club. Yeah, they're undefeated, but they're undefeated against teams that like that are not really good. You know what I'm saying? So their strength of scheduling is a little bit harder to kind of like deal with. I see. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's the way. I mean, that's the way I'm predicting the rankings. I mean, in my personal opinion, I think that's the way they're doing it because, yeah, Jade's got a lot of wins on there, and she's number three. But like, you know, when it comes to the wins, how she got there, I mean, like a loss here, a win there could really change your trajectory. Because if we're looking at this realistically. Why isn't Chris Stantlander above Sheeta? Fourteen and one, sixteen and one. You know, that's that's gonna be substantials too. But you gotta remember, Kira Sheeta's schedule when she had the championship was she fought like challenger after challenger after challenger who were not all number one. So that's why she's higher than Chris Stantlander. Hmm. Okay, those are all. Um... It, it makes it, it makes it makes sense, right? Yeah, when you when you put it like that, it does make sense. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that's probably going to be your best indication of how the ranking system works. So you have Sheeta, who's 14-1. She's number four in the rankings. And you have number five, Chris Stantliner, who's 16-1. Now, obviously, 16-1 is a bigger number, but they're not just looking at the number. They're looking at the strength of the cards you fought against. That's how they work it. Hmm. Okay. So if in, a, in the next future, so let's say hypothetically, Jake Cargill gets a couple wins and gets a roll-up pen or something like a sneak, like the world's most devastating move against Thunder Rosa in the match, she'd move up, although her record would be 13-0 and and Thunder Rosa's is 26-3, and that would, move, that would move her down. Actually, that would probably move her down to like either fourth or fifth place. Interesting. All right. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird system. I wish they had a better way of explaining it or some kind of like, hey, this is how you figure it out. But it took me weeks to figure this out. And I'm using college logic. It could be wrong, but so far it, it there's there's some kind of gravity, there's some kind of like proof to the college system of it working. So that's that's what I'm basing off of. It works. At least for a narrative when it comes to AEW. I got it. I see. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that... what I got there, buddy. So is there anything you want to plug, Vinny? Anything on your mind? Anything you wanna get off your chest? Well, you know me, I always like to wrap the show up, but I was wondering, you know, you've been since this is AEW, do you wanna take it home or should I take it home? Well, you know what, though? It's my show. I'll do it. Ladies right. and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. It's been fun. It's been great. We got to have our our completely biased person on the show today. I dragged his ass for about... The show's two hours, but we somehow made this two and a half hours. Why? How? I don't know if I can know, but we did it. So you're welcome. It's content for you to listen to. Um, but uh, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe us on Pinterest, on Facebook. Obviously, it's at the Bouchcast, so if you go on Pinterest at the Bouchcast, same thing on YouTube, same thing on Facebook. You know, if you got some friends who are like-minded, who like to listen to a whole bunch of wrestling nerds get together and just bitch and whine and complain about wrestling from different perspectives, new school, old school, um, the cult of cornets and not whatever, it's a fun show. I think uh, you guys enjoyed it. If you guys do, don't forget to like, subscribe, tell your friends. Um, follow us on Twitch. Uh, we will be having some live events. In the next two weeks, we'll be doing um, – are we doing the next pay-per-view, Vinny? 
Uh, no, we 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 agreed a long time ago. Unless you want to change it up, I'm all for it. Uh, but we were we agreed to do the big four. Uh, the big four. That's right. Yeah, Sorry. because uh, we knew we, because of the popularity and the speciality of it. But if you want to do one for extreme rules, I'm all for it. Or we can just wait till Survivor yeah, I, Series. Yeah, I thought I thought one of the big four was like in the next two weeks, but it's yeah, not, that's so. extreme rules. No, um, the next one's Survivor yeah, so Series in November. Coming up soon. We'll, we'll, we'll recap on that one. Um, October slowly creeping up, folks. And as you guys know, I've been I've been scratching, I've been itching, I've been waiting. And ladies and gentlemen, it's almost time. For D and I know you guys have been like we've been talking about it. It's like, oh my god, when is uh, you know, when's Beef Wellington coming back out? I know everybody asks me, where's Beef Wellington? I need Beef Wellington in my life, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting there. D and D will be coming to Twitch. It'll be a fun little game. Uh, we gave our lovely co-host, who's uh, not currently with us right now, Mr. John Tumlin. Um, obviously, he had so many plans. He had work to do. He had a wedding to plan for. The guy was like busy, 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 busy. So um. We promise you guys in October we'll be getting a D&D session. We will be having that soon. And don't don't worry, my ladies and gentlemen. We will be ready. We will let you know. We'll give you notifications and say Beef Wellington is here. As long as Pennington Bear is there, too. Pennington Bear, you there? Well, uh, yes and no. Um, Paddington Bear will not be a regular on the the streams. Oh. No, because Paddington Bear was something I created for the one shot, uh, which was fun. Which was fun, but when when I, when uh, but instead, uh, a mural is going to be there instead. Okay. Um. Yes. A, a a a drunken monk. Um. Who? Yeah. And this is a mural. He is basically he is a monk. He is a drow elf, and um. He he is a drunken master of mar- of martial arts. And um, he is, but he has, but his, uh, his big backstory, um, and I'll say it for here, but Elvis, and uh, D&D has its own kayfabe style, so when we actually start the game, you can't know this in the beginning, but I'll say it here for the, uh, the audience, the interesting thing is, even though Emiro uh, is a drow elf, drow elves are known for being a very evil race of people. And the reason uh, my character is a monk is because he ran away from home and and joined a monastery and serves the gods because he hates the evilness of his people. So he's basically a drow elf who is racist towards other drow elves, but he loves everybody else, but he hates his own people. So that's Amir. So Amiral will be the one joining Beef Wellington. I love Beef Wellington. I just can't wait to get him back on you know on there. Um, I actually thought about a couple scenarios, different instances, different things like I said they're working for, and um, I'm I'm gonna work uh, Beef Wellington until he dies. And when he dies, um, I actually do have another character written up behind him with a different character, different class, different everything. So let's see how long um, Beef Wellington goes, and if it doesn't work out, I do have another character in my sleeves. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll just say real quick here. Um. What I'll do well, is I'm, I'm a paladin too. Sorry, sorry. So all your friends out there, my character is a paladin. Um, yeah. he is very good. He is uh he is good to a fault. He is very religious, and uh, we'll see what side he takes because he starts off being a religious person, lawfully good, and everything else. But um, I do have a fucking drunken elf. That's a you know he's very hated, and I'm not sure. Will I stick to my beliefs? Will I switch to his side? I guess we'll have to find out soon enough. Yeah, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of and there's a lot of other great characters, but we'll let you explain who they are. We'll put a promo video together when we uh finally set the date 
for this D&D thing. And then once we set that date, I can, Wellington. I can reveal the big surprise as well that we can't give yet, but it's going to be great. Um, but is he, is he going to be there? What? Is he going to be there? Um, last time we talked, yes, but we'll find out if anything changes. Okay, I just want to make sure because you know I didn't hear much since then. So yeah, I, I was just but going. the last time we spoke about it, he was in, he 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 said he said he's coming, but we we won't know for sure yet. So things could change, but as of now, it's on. So, but we won't reveal what that what we're talking about. And I'll just say um again, we're on a, a, you know the November twenty first will be the watch party for Survivor Series. Um, the D and D thing is going to take place in October. Uh, sometime after John's uh, wedding, of course, and I know it's about twenty something days away before uh, John and his lovely fiance tie the knot. So we got at least that type of timeline going. Um, and I only know that because uh, his fiance posted it on Facebook recently. Um, then we got, of course, uh, Elvis is a gaming uh, show that he'll be getting into uh, very soon. He'll be oh shit! You, you got to send me that information. You got to you got to send me a link through your. Uh... I I will. I will send me a text message with the with the password. I think you gave it to me like six times already, but let's make it a seventh, yeah. Yeah, let's do a seventh time. I'll we'll figure it out. I'll I'll go through the phone and see if I can remember when I send it to you because sometimes I I'm so used to like have to having everything already pre logged in. I sometimes forget passwords myself, but we'll figure that out. So also, um, again, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the Boochcast. Um, we got. The YouTube channel, as we mentioned before, Dark Side of the Ring is coming soon. We're hoping to get some videos shot this weekend. Um, we'll find out more about that. And of course, we got the Brian Pillman videos coming. We got the Ultimate Warrior. We got the Dynamite Kid. We got the Plane Ride from Hell. And we got the Chris Canyon are coming up. So those are going to be the videos that Elvis and I are doing. Uh, five of those are going to be with Desmond. One's going to be with Gator. Um, so we're going to figure all those out. And then, of course, um, you can support the show by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels you can contribute at. Uh, one is 99 cents per month. That's, it's literally that simple, just 99 cents per month. Uh, the second level is 4.99 per month, what you would normally pay for a Peacock subscription. And the third level is 9.99, what we used to pay for WWE Network subscriptions before it was sold to the Peacock. So you got nowhere to put the $9.99? Bring it over here. We got better content. You can pay with a credit card or with GPay, and the money you give to the show goes back into the show in its own way. We, uh, we used to upgrade the equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, take care of all the guys who work very hard behind the scenes, and with the money that's left over, we feed Zach ramen noodles and try to get him laid. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I guess that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so until next time, this is... Uh, Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and uh, the, the AEW correspondent, the one and only Mr. Elvis Delinsky. Uh, we're saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Boochie Boochies, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.